0: And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks
1: Internet Radio Broadcast.
0: are Yeah. Alright, we ready to get into this? Yeah, you want
2: me to bring it in and hand it off to
0: you? Yeah, bring it on in with something, something 82-ish.
2: I, I'm way ahead of you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got a really lame one too. Oh, awesome!
1: Which is, yeah, exactly. Now that penis mm. had a mole on it. Mm. I'd recognize that penis anywhere. Oh yeah. we all drown in lakes of blood. What does "fuck" mean?
2: It's a slang word. It's when a man and a woman are in love. A
1: man puts his. No, no, written here. F O C. Oh. The life is-
2: You want to get out of
1: here? You talk to me. I'm just an average guy. There's the song I used to sing
0: Living
1: in the, the York when i get sad. It always cheered me up. Much. Much. Never met a girl whose love was so tough. Nothing is weird if you don't believe in who you are. I don't believe in myself, no boy. Don't you understand? To such a hot romance. No! She did it. Though. I slept and fell in love I'm in love With the other woman My life is fine Guess it works I've
0: seen things You people wouldn't believe I know
1: The rules of the game Is your wife a I eh? Not I mean, not a mean, not a mean, not, not, not a mean, say it anymore I should never gone back I know my Friends laugh, but that's all right. But it feels better when I speak. I got nowhere else to go with the other one. Bud, what's your problem? My life is fine, no problem at all. I think you know where the front office is Somebody help me You dick Oh, with the other one
2: This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. to oh.
1: oh. Friends, who are you? I'm dark who are you, friend? I'm called Seth. This is Tao. We are pilgrims on our way to worship at the Temple of R. This unique. All my life I never met such a
2: freak. I'm Edward Kimberly, the reckless
1: brother of my sister Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Christ! <laughs> it's a formula! Edward,
0: me wanna grab my guitar. No, no, physics,
1: you stay here. Don't leave. 19 2 18 2 2 3 And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your masters of ceremony, Chris Honeywell. You know, you've got a big mouth, you know? and scott h gardner
2: you don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare with a man who's the best with guns with knives with his bare hands a man who's been trained to ignore pee ignore weather
0: to live off the land to eat things and to make a bully goat puke
2: Hey man, which way to the beach? Do you remember that phrase? That was um, one of the lamest phrases of the early '80s. Um, hmm. it was, it was, it was basically to say, well, "Oh, by the way, welcome to Two True Freaks." <laughs> Time machine, it's 1982, dude, dude. And which way to the beach was what people said when someone was being dumb. They'd go, die which way to the beach? Oh, I do. Okay, I do remember that. Which way to the beach? Which way to the beach? I do remember that. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. Lame. <laughs> it was lame. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you just shamed me because I can't believe I forgot about that. And, you know, I work in a place. I know you haven't. I don't think you've ever been there. I don't think you've ever seen Pop Century. But, you know, the Pop Century Resort. Is it's just that it's pop culture touchstones of the past? You know, well, it's the it's the latter fifty years of the twentieth century. So it's nineteen fifty through two thousand, and all of the buildings, you know, are themed to, to different decades. And so, you know, like, if you go to the 80s, or if you go to any of the sections, it has, like, the catchphrases of that decade on the building. So, like, for the 80s, it's, like, Uh you know, awesome, and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, like, uh, awesome, and grody, and, you know, stuff like that. You know, things that people were saying, totally, you know, things like that, that people were saying in the 80s, and I I had totally forgotten that one. But, anyway,
2: as you say, um... What I don't know if it was local to the you know uh, northeastern New Yorker. I got I had a feeling it's probably started like California style. It sounds like something right. like you know surfers are dumb type of thing. Well, I know that duh is is one of the
0: <laughs> phrases. You know, just you know d u h. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. remember if there's an exclamation point or not, but you know duh is definitely one of the you know one of the phrases up there. But
2: so what do we want to <laughs> what. And just the, the word "done" enshrined, is a it's phrase. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we want to do we want to give the backstory on this on this episode? Well, I mean, the backstory is basically it's 2012, so 1982 is 30 years ago. Yes. Now I had
0: uh, seen something. I I subscribed to a news feed. I'm not even sure which one it is. I think it's Yahoo, but I'm not sure. But there was a news story that popped up. This was, gosh, this was probably a couple months ago now. At least several weeks ago. And it was just one of those, you know, little interest pieces about, you know, movies that were turning 30 this year. And I don't know what possessed me to click on it. But I clicked on it and was just stunned, stunned by the movies on that list, you know, that, wow, we're getting the old, dude, you know, but I mean, you know, a lot of, you know, big movies to you and I, you know, movies that, that you and I have held in very high regard over the years, you know. And turning, a lot of people, iconic yeah. movies. Oh, iconic, yeah, that I guess that's what I'm trying, yeah, iconic movies turning 30 this year, and it was like, holy cow. And, you know, you and I had, had briefly discussed quite a while back doing some sort of, the best way I could describe it, and this isn't quite an accurate description, but to give you kind of an idea of what Chris and I were, were thinking about, was it was something along the lines of like the um, – what was that show? It was called I Love the 80s. I'm trying to remember what network it was. It was on like VH1 or something yes, like that. Yes, I think,
2: I think it was VH1. Yeah,
0: and doing sort of a rundown of like – our early years you know and like our take on on particular years or a particular decade or something and we never really went anywhere with it it was just kind of one of those ideas that got tossed around you know in the in the two true freaks boardroom kind of thing but but seeing that article about those movies really got me to thinking that man we ought to do some sort of episode like that and just you know see how it flies and so this is kind of our it's kind of strange to start you know in in the second year of a of a decade but Still, you know, 30 years ago, it's just it's just crazy. I, I, I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around the fact that, you know, so many of these things we're about to discuss were, you know, that long
2: ago. But I, I just I, came up with a theory why 1982 was a good year for movies. Why is that? Because they had to put them out in 1982 because in 1983, Return of the Jedi was going to come and suck the air out of mm-hmm. everything else. That's a good, so, yeah. So there was no Star Wars movie to step on anybody this year. That's true.
0: That's true. Well, and plus, with it being the year before Return of the Jedi, you know, they knew that people were just, you know, they were itching for something. Itching you know? for stuff, yeah. Yeah, something to fill that that void. Because movies did very well in those Especially
2: years. Especially genre movies. Yeah,
0: in those years between the Star Wars movies, absolutely. I mean, look at all the, I mean, some absolutely atrocious movies that came out in the years between you know the first star wars and the empire strikes back that did very very well simply because people were hungry for more of that you know so yeah that's a sound a theory as any else sure well i'll buy that for a dollar <laughs> How we're kind of going to do this, at least, you know, here's here's my envisioning of it, is uh, we're just basically going to go uh, month per month through the, uh, through the year of 1982, and uh, we're going to concentrate mostly on movies, but uh, we're, we'll throw a couple of other things in there to whet your interests as well. You know, this being, um, you know, tangentially a comic book-related uh, podcast, you know, we'll be touching on the world of comics as it relates to 1982, and... Uh, You uh, had said something about uh, bringing
2: uh, music into this as well, Chris. I'll I'll touch upon the music of 1982, which originally I was going to slam, but upon a little research, there was actually some good music that came out then. If I have any mission at all in this episode,
0: and I really don't, but if I did, <laughs> it would be to kind of sway your opinion, Chris. Personally, because you have been very critical of the '80s uh, in some of our conversations, which greatly surprises me because I very fondly remember the '80s as a as a great mm-hmm. as a hell of a time to grow up in.
2: I thought the '80s were awesome. And, you know, when uh, the best time to grow up in is What's when that? you're young. When you're young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's why the '80s were so awesome. To I, I now you know i i would posit culture culturally the 80s were great for movies everything else was kind of a wasteland and and i would even argue that a little with the music although there was a lot of good music it was not better than the music that before it and a lot of the music after it you know there was some there were some high points in it but the the music of the 80s was generally kind of shallow and and crappy, and the culture was just like that, yeah, the only thing that seemed to be thriving, at least you know, artistically was was the movies, and, and not, like, the art film, but, like, cinema but, like, the crowd pleaser, the, the you know, the, the I don't want to say blockbuster, blockbusters were, but you know, there were a lot of movies that weren't blockbusters, but they were, you know sort of just big Pieces of entertainment, genre entertainment, pop pop, movies, stuff. pop, yeah. pop culture movies, yeah, yeah. and uh, probably the, the one of the greatest times for for genre and you know for there were lots of great horror. I mean, science fiction, uh, just just everything, and um, but you know, uh, I don't remember a whole lot of really good books coming out. Um,
1: yeah, you know, that
0: was something I really didn't look into was uh, was, you know, literature, but, you know, beyond com- I looked at oh. comics, obviously, and, and I will argue with you when we get to comics
1: mm. that uh,
0: in in retrospect, I don't think either of us appreciated it at the time. I don't know that anybody truly appreciated it at the time. But looking back on it now, um, man. You know this 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 year was a was a banner banner year for uh, for comics, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, we'll go ahead and dive into this. With uh, all right, so we're looking at January nineteen eighty two, and right off the bat, I am tickled pink. The list that I'm looking at here starts off with uh, with January first was the release of a movie I had completely forgotten about, which. Uh, I have not seen this movie probably in about almost 30 years because I, I know I didn't go to the movies to see it. I discovered it on HBO much, much later. Um, but it was a movie, like I said, I'd completely forgotten about it. Hadn't seen it in a long, long time. But I remember it to be a decent little time killer, and it was a movie called Time Rider, The Adventure of Lyle Swan, which starred Fred Ward that would eventually go on to play... Um... um Oh, shit. Uh, Gus, Gor- uh, Gus Grissom in The Right Stuff. And uh, 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 wh- what was the name of that? Uh, Remo Williams. Remember that movie, Remo, Remo Williams? Yeah. yeah he was supposed to Remo be Williams? the
2: start of a whole series of movies. Yeah.
0: But it starred him, and he's a guy... If I remember the movie correctly and again like I say I have he had a time
2: traveling motorcycle. No, no, it, he it,
0: was he was riding a motorcycle and kind of like how uh, the Sandman runs like into that reactor thing in Spider-Man 3 and becomes the Sandman. I, if I remember the movie properly it's the same type of thing in this is like he's riding his motorcycle out in the middle of nowhere and accidentally like drives into like some secret base or something where they're conducting a time experiment and ends up being sent back to the old west or something Uh, that's how i remember it i could be wrong but i don't think that the the motorcycle itself actually traveled through time did it i mean uh, under its
2: own i don't remember yeah Yeah, i don't i don't remember i remember the movie and i remember it got people were going this was looking like it was going to be a real low budget stinker but it's actually kind of a charming little movie
0: it has a great classic time travel twist ending to it that I always really, really, really liked. I, I don't know if we should spoil it or not. What do you think? No. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's his sure. own grandfather. Ah, uh, ha, ha. I love that. It's a great little ending. I just ruined it for everybody. But yeah, it's it was, it was a decent little movie, again, as I recall it. Um... Man, not nothing else on this list rings any bells with me at all. We've got uh, let's see, Jaws of Satan. I have no idea. The Boogans?
2: The Boogens was a low budget horror movie. I remember the ads for the boogins and my friends. It was about <clears throat> these creatures that lived in a abandoned mineshaft. <laughs> okay. Terrible. Terrible. Um shoot the moon,
0: A Stranger Is Watching, Vice Squad. The Seduction, Venom, and the Border. I don't remember any of these the movies. The Border
2: was a Jack had
0: Jack Nicholson in it, and uh, it. was supposed
2: to be a really good movie.
0: Let's see. So, well, that's it for January. Apparently, as far as what's on the list there. Um, do I? Do we want to? Do we want to go back and forth? World of
2: movies, World of comics. Um, sure. Because you don't have like a month, but you just have some comics here and there, right? So, but you have a lot of January, right? Yeah. Well, here's how. Here was kind of my idea. I want to kind of paint the picture for you. Here in the world of comic
0: books, this is how things were looking in the world of uh, of nineteen, you know, of comic books in the in the year of nineteen eighty two. I think it's fairly, uh, you know, easy to. to I think it's fair to say rather that uh Frank Miller, George Perez, and John Byrne absolutely ruled the stands uh at this time in comics. And what's funny is all of the uh the titles, you know, their abbreviations are all double letters. You know, you had Frank Miller working on DD, Daredevil. You had mm-hmm. George Perez working on TT, the Teen Titans, and you had John Byrne working on FF, the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were the kings of the stands during this time. And it was a really odd time for comics because you had some really weird titles on the stands like Dazzler, Defenders, Moon Knight, and Power Man and Iron Fist. You know, they were all steaming right along. And then it's it was also a strange time because you had titles like, uh, like Crazy, Creepy, Eerie. You know, the horror, fantasy, humor, war, and western titles, they hadn't yet been completely shut out by the caped crowd you know they, they we still had other genres besides just superheroes at that time and uh it's only recently i think that we're starting to kind of see that resurgence again where there's a lot of other stuff on this on the stands besides just the big guys you know but uh you know the team up book still existed which i still to this day i lament the the death of the team book but i mean you had a ton of them you had brave and the bold dc comics presents world's finest superman family uh marvel team up marvel two and one one. yeah Mm -hmm. great time uh all-star squadron was just getting going it was on like it's i think fifth issue uh john romita jr was churning out the best work of his career in my opinion he was teamed up with roger stern on amazing spider-man and with david Michelini on iron man and both of those titles were phenomenal and his art was great i actually liked him back then um gene cullen owned batman in both batman and detective comics the Avengers were in the low 200s and uh, some really uh, interesting and, and kind of wacky stories. Mike Zek was on Captain America. Uh, January 1982 saw the first issue of the Phantom Zones miniseries, still one of my absolute favorite comics of all time. Um, Marvel Superheroes, which at this time featured reprints of The Incredible Hulk, was on its last issue. And Savage She-Hulk and Spidey Superstories were on their penultimate mm-hmm. issues. And Star Wars introduced us to Pliff, And that was January 1982 in a nutshell. So moving on to, or moving back rather, to uh, movies in February. Let's see, not a whole lot on this one either uh, for February. Uh, got some strange ones here. We got personal best. Don't remember that. Uh, Night Crossing, Das Boot. I remember only because that movie sold gangbusters when it came out on DVD. On it's a great uh, not movie. Not DVD, but um, um, VHS. When I was working at, at Saturday Matinee, I've, I've still never seen it, but I remember. It I, sold think like it's
2: crazy. Mm, I think uh, it's Werner
1: Herzog.
2: Maybe Werner Herzog directed it. It's oh, it's a fantastic. It's it's a, you know it's just a thriller in an in a in a U boat in a German right. U boat. It's in German, but it really has the cramped, you know, this says Wolfgang claustrophobic Peterson. feel. Of it. Wolfgang who? Wolfgang Peterson. Oh, okay, director. I don't even yeah I don't recognize him. That's <laughs> I was just thinking about it, the German directors
1: right. <laughs> I knew around <laughs>
2: that time period, but yeah it's 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 a it's you know people thought of. It was one of those movies where, you know, it wasn't a foreign art film. It was an action, you know, high high adventure story. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. You used to say "dots boot" a lot of times too, but it was usually when you're booting, <laughs> booting, like you're booting someone's nose.
0: Dots boot beginning. to the head. Yeah. <laughs> um, missing, which
2: is that a. Uh... Jack Lemon was in that. Is that got was, um, Jessica Lange in it? It might have. It, that was that. That movie was a critical. Uh, it it didn't really go down in history, but I think it won a couple Academy Awards and and uh, a lot of critical acclaim. No, it's got sissy Space. I'm thinking of a different Sissy's movie. Basic. Yeah, but you're right. It did have Jack Lemon in it. Uh, let's
0: see, Love and Money, La Guerre de Fue Fouet? Fou-
2: Fou- I don't. Know. Cannery Row, One from the Heart. The Cannery Row and One for the Heart were two big flops. One from the Heart was Francis Ford Coppola, like, took all his money that he'd made on all his movies ahead of that and put it into that and said, screw the studios, and then it was a huge (laughs) flop and it was a musical.
0: Yeah, this list has total U.S. gross on it. And Canary, according to this, Cannery Row only made uh, $2.6 One from the Heart made $1 million on the yeah. button. So, yeah. Um, the Amateur, The Beast Within, Making Love, Three Brothers, and Death Wish 2 round out uh, February Not yeah, you know, I don't think I've seen anything on that list. Or if I have, it didn't make an impression because I don't remember any of them.
2: Well, don't worry. There's plenty that's oh, come, yes. that are coming up.
0: Well, that's <laughs> the thing is uh, that I'm, I, I was hoping to illustrate here is the the year starts a little slow, but as we're going to see here shortly, it uh, it ramps up real damn fast. Jumping back to comics. For February uh, 1982, Marvel Star Trek wrapped up with number 18, which uh, honestly is the only issue of the series worthy of having the word Star Trek printed on the cover. It's actually <laughs> a really, really good issue, but if you're ever going to own one issue, that's the one to own. That's the one to have, yeah. yeah. Star-Lord Special Edition by John Byrne came out, and uh, that was good stuff. Even though I don't give a rat's ass about Star-Lord, that was a good book. Um, Gene Colan began his run on Wonder Woman, which uh, you know that's epic stuff. It really, really is. Um, that was a time when Wonder Woman was was largely forgettable. Wonderful. But, yeah, but it was wonderful when he was working on it. Absolutely. And Lando fought Lobot on Cloud City in uh, in Marvel Star Wars, and that's uh, that's February 1982. So. This is actually going faster than I thought it would. Oh, um, don't worry. It's, it's, oh, yeah. We'll, it's, we'll,
2: hit, we'll hit pay dirt as we go along. Oh, yes.
0: Uh, so back to movies again. March 1982. We've got. I'm dancing as fast as I can.
2: I'm dancing as fast
0: as I can. <laughs> uh, Weavers. Wasn't that a time? I have. I've never even heard of these movies. It Evil Under a the documentary
2: Sun. Documentary about a folk band called The Weavers.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Evil Under the Sun, I've heard of. Is that a uh, Agatha, Agatha Christie? Christie? Yeah, okay. Never seen it. Richard Pryor, live on the Sunset Strip. I do remember that coming out. I've never seen
2: it. Well, I it, think that was but... the first one after he burnt himself up while freebasing Coke and like almost <laughs> died. And so that was the one. That was like his comedy special that was half-not comedy, where he was like, I used to do a lot of drugs and... You know, he told the. But he did actually tell a very funny story about how he caught his head on fire and went running down the street. But yeah, that was that was a good movie. Uh, Death Trap,
0: which I had completely forgotten about, that had um,
2: Michael Christopher
0: Reed had uh,
2: had Alfred and Superman in the same movie. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was I believe it was a Neil Simon play. Was it? It was a big deal because. Christopher Reeve and Michael Caine played gay lovers yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah, I remember
0: that Spoiler. being very
2: controversial at the time, yes. I'm, well, I remember yeah. before the movie came out, Carthage, the Carthage Little Theater, did a production of it. Hmm. And, and one of the music teachers was the lead in it, And this other guy, now that I'm thinking back, it was probably their excuse to make out on stage (laughs) in a small town without getting killed. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Because now when I'm thinking about the, you know, I'm not going to name any names of the teachers or anything, but they were pretty, you know, now that I look back on it, they were, you know, they were living together and stuff. I thought they were roommates, you know. But it, I I just remember remember the the ads for Death Trap on TV. It was just all these people. It was all the characters going Death Trap, Death Trap, oh, Death Trap, right. Death yeah. Trap,
0: Death Trap. You're right. I do remember that. Uh let's see. We also got Victor Victoria. Is that the
2: one where Mary Poppins shows her boobs? That is the one where she plays a man. She she dresses in man drag to be a performer in France. I think she it, shows her um, her breasts in that movie though. I'm no, that's um the one that she shows her breasts in is a mo- is set in modern day. That's um SOB. Are you sure? Yes, cuz okay. I like that movie a lot. Blake okay. Edwards. Blake They're Edwards. both Blake Edwards movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, she was married to—I uh, don't know if she was at this time—but uh, she was married to Blake Edwards. Yeah,
2: oh, de- definitely. Sob had her boobs, and it was very under—underwhelming when they when they made their appearance. Damn, there was a lot of people in this when uh, this Victor Victoria
0: it had John Rhys-Davies in it, who was Sala and Raiders. It had James Garner in it. Yes, Leslie it Ann was, Warren. It was it a, was lot a of big hit. Yeah,
2: it was I've a never, big hit. And got a lot of crit- critical acclaim.
0: Never seen it. Okay, a movie that I cannot think of and not think of, Randy, Porky's. You went to see Porky's,
2: you sick bastard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is funny enough was directed by the same guy who directed, you know, uh, Ralphie in in uh, a Christmas, Christmas story. story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This well, was that's actually his reminiscence be. of of his youth. This was like the characters at a Christmas story in high school. <laughs> yeah, basically.
0: Yeah. Basically. Well, you know, much the same way that, that, that Lucas got to make Star Wars because he made American Graffiti, you know, that guy got to make Christmas Story
2: because he, you know, made uh, Porky's and it was such a big hit. So, yeah. It's just so funny, the the huge di- – when you watch Porky's now, though, it's so tame compared to what, you know, I mean, that was view- – I mean, when we were kids, that, it was like that movie is so dirty, you know. I, you know, it was one of those movies where I
0: tried to watch it, and what I mean is, I, I tried to be able to watch it without getting caught watching it. You right, know I mean, right. for years and years. When I finally did sit and watch it, which by that point I'm pretty sure I watched it as, you know, as an adult, you know, able to watch it, if you know what I mean, you know, where I wasn't, you know. Watching out for the parents to walk into the room or something. I was actually greatly disappointed by. it. I yes. didn't care for it. I was like, really, this is, this is because really the only scene in the movie that that's worth sitting through is the the girls in the shower scene. The rest of that movie is kind of stupid. It's kind of like an episode of uh, the Dukes of Hazard or something. Well, you the know? thing
2: of the, I think the big problem with it is a lot of the movie had the characters laughing at their own jokes a lot. Right, their their own hijinks. And that was sort of maybe contagious in the first movie, but I didn't find it. Can I found it like I find that very like insulting to the audience when you're telling them to laugh. You know, the audience should be laughing at this. And, you know, so so are crazy things would happen, and then there would be a whole scene of them standing around afterwards, going, ah, ha ha! Oh, that was so great!" And it's just like, no, you don't. Need- you need that once maybe in the right. movie, but uh, uh, you know. And I I realized that that's what probably he and his friends did in high school after they pulled off the stuff, but it just, yeah, it came off as being sloppily written, and it was, and it was, you know, sophomoric, immature humor, but it was based on high school kids' humor, but, yeah, there just wasn't, the the it, there wasn't anything to it, you know, it was just amazing that when he did Christmas Story, it's such a, you know, human story full of, like, characters and, you right. know, real characters... Whereas these guys were just, you know, basically a bunch of just sort of douchebags, you know, that had and, you know, they had some serious moments and stuff, but it didn't work, you know. Yeah. But, you know, since it was so dirty, it made tons and tons and tons and tons of money Mm -hmm. on the reputation and on the critics going, this movie is so gross and horrible and stupid and so much nudity that it guaranteed, you know, to fill up the drive ins. That movie made a hundred
0: and nine million dollars <laughs> in nineteen eighty two. That's a shitload of money, yeah. dude. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. Mega On a hit. budget of four million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Uh, you know the the only thing I take away from that movie, honestly, beyond the shower scene, which I still like. You know, if I, if I ever chance across that, I'll sit I'll sit through that scene. Is the fact that uh, the only other thing I ever saw me in was um
2: Die Hard He's the guy that gets stabbed in the eye with the icicle. <laughs> I the the character of Pee Wee, there's one good visual gag that they that they repeated in the second movie where he got all his clothes stolen and was they set it up, you know, to where he thought he was gonna get shot or something, he ran down the road naked and his friends were driving or the cops are driving by and you see a naked guy run by, but they 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 arrange the headlights so the headlights just blasted out the crotch area so you couldn't see, like, a swinging dick. So you could actually show it in the previews. You know, right. they're driving and talking, and then you see a naked guy just go, vroom, vroom, by and they're like, did you see that? Yeah, better go and pull around. And that was really funny then, and it's not really that funny anymore.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. Next one on the list, Mephisto. Never seen it. Never seen it. Uh, I ought to be in pictures. I thought I already read that one. No, no, I'm dancing as fast as I can. Was the other one. There's a lot of movies with I in the title here.
2: Yeah, it was a very uh, self obsessed decade.
0: <laughs> Diva, which according Diva to this, was
2: a masterpiece, a French movie.
0: It made 108 thousand dollars, according to this.
2: Is uh right? maybe it was one <laughs> of those movies at the end of the year that that uh, it was one of like I heard of it through Siskel and Eberts. Um, you know, lost, you know, gem sleeper movies type thing. And it was a, I believe it was a French movie and it was about a guy who's obsessed with this opera singer and he's bootlegging one of her concerts and he tapes some, he, he either tapes something or he gets his tapes mixed up and he ends up with some secret information and and people are coming after him and it's a you know it had a great chase scene with him on a scooter that <laughs> you know that and he went down into the underground and he's driving the scooter onto subway trains and it was crazy huh really good movie it's that it's it's a, it's a it's a fantastic action movie way ahead of its time
0: uh, and then rounding out March of 1982 we've got the beach girls which again i, pff, I have no idea uh, never heard of it so bouncing back to the world of comics march nineteen eighty two uh kind of thin uh the Justice League of America reached number two hundred, which was kind of an epic uh epic issue with that it had a lot of guest artists and stuff as I recall it was actually a really good issue and the greatest era of the Legion of superheroes started very quietly with very little fanfare. Uh, with I think it was a backup story, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, uh, that was the first uh, issue to uh, team up Keith Giffen and Paul Levitz, which would go on to uh, they would go on to just create you know an absolute legend with that title. But uh, just kind of started started quietly with uh, I think that was issue 285. I didn't write down the issue number in my notes, but I think that was the issue like 285 or something like that. It has uh, Colossal Boy on the cover. And that was it for March. Moving into April, let's see. Again, (laughs) a whole ton of movies here uh, I either haven't heard of or haven't seen. Let's see. We got Silent Rage. Silent
2: Rage was a really low budget, had big legs on HBO, and it had like a killer cop who was somehow possessed or some sort of frankensteinian killer terminator style (laughs) cop it was it was very terminator like movie what what year did the the terminator Terminator was
0: uh 84
2: so this could have been a big influence on the terminator it was very it was a very violent low budget movie says here it had chuck norris and ron (laughs) silver in
0: it Mm -hmm. hmm okay (laughs) <laughs> says key the keywords it says martial arts and science fiction so yeah i don't know uh, another one uh, here a, a little sex never heard of that don't remember that diner which i've heard a lot of people say good very things good. about i don't think i've ever Barry seen very levinson it. Barry levinson's uh, movie oh is it okay so i like him
2: it's a okay. very di- it's a very dialogue based movie it's it's mostly these guys sitting, some friends sitting in a diner and and talking that was another big critical hit. I don't know if it made a lot of money, but it, the critics loved that movie. It made its it was money on back. All the top ten. It was on all the top ten lists.
0: Made uh, almost twelve point six million on a budget of five. So yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, so what what do they consider the the what what is successful? Is it is it double back your money or what what are the what is considered a success when it comes to movies? I think.
2: Making any kind of money is really a success because, it, in the studio, you know, I mean, a, a good success would probably be doubling, tripling, quadrupling it. You know, whatever the pro, you know the higher the proportion, the be, the better your success is measured. You know, the lower your budget, opposed to the higher your, your return. But I'll bet you, I'll bet you, Diner was considered quite successful because. It, it doubled its money. It was a low investment to begin with. And uh, it got a lot of critical success, which is gravitas for the studio. And it's also a good sign for later movies that filmmakers going to make down the line. You know what I mean? Right. It, it gives them a little buzz and some buzz and juice and all that Hollywood bullshit term <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm sure that was considered a, a success. Well, the
0: next one on our, our list I know most definitely wasn't. On a budget of $12.5 only pulled in seven. So it didn't even make its money back. And, you know, it's a bit of a mystery because it does have quite the cast in it because it had Natasha Kinsky, Malcolm McDowell. Annette O'Toole, which I think she shows her boobies in that movie, if I'm
2: not mistaken. There's a lot. There's a lot of nudity in that movie. I think it mm-hmm. would have got, but the critics hated it, and it's uh... cat people. Yes, the critics hated that movie. It's a remake. Well, a it's a remake of a awesome old stylistic horror movie, Mm-hmm. and uh, it was not quite as arty.
1: <laughs> Yeah,
2: it, it was bizarre. It had, you know, the, the other one had weird, you know, it had all the all the sexual stuff was in the undertones. But this was right. It was a story about, you know, it's incest, basically, because she basically she and her brother were cat people and That's they couldn't have right. sex with anybody because if they turned into they would turn into these panthers and kill whoever they had sex with. But they could have sex with each other and not and Malcolm McDowell was like come on <laughs> I want to have sex and she actually finds like a boyfriend who will like tie her up and and get out before you know she turns into a cat and stuff but you know it did you know the 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 old movie was all shadows and and you know undertones and and stuff like that and was beautiful whereas this one was it wasn't a bad movie. I remember seeing it because I was I think you see and I it watched it that HBO. together.
0: Strangely enough,
2: yeah, because we were like, this would probably. It's uh, it's one of those movies we could get away with because it would have its nudity here and there. Right. But, the, but cat people just didn't like s- put put off the warning bells to your mom. Right. It sounded <laughs> more like a horror movie, you know, like the Wolfman or something. Well, it okay, sounds it's like Wolfman. a like an old fifties
0: B science fiction movie, like, yeah. like Cat Women on the Moon or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where I was, don't remember it being worth a shit, but I I do remember it having a whole lot of nakedness in it though. It did.
2: <laughs> and it, it was it was basically the that was pretty much like where Natasha can kin- I don't know if it was her first movie, but it was where she got where she became big. Right. For
0: uh, her- well, let's see. This next one looks <laughs> According to this, only made $662,000. Penitentiary 2. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Uh, some kind of hero is that a uh, is that a Robert De Niro I don't know no it says here it's got Richard Pryor Margot Kidder Ronnie Cox uh, pfft, I have no idea what this movie is some kind of hero is the name of it uh, let's see what else wrong is right the sword and the sorcerer National Lampoon's movie madness ah here's one Chris if you could see what I hear, do you remember this movie?
2: No, I don't.
0: It had the Beastmaster in it, and he played Tom Sullivan. It was a true story of this guy, Tom Sullivan, who was blind, but he didn't like people knowing that he was blind.
2: I remember this. Remember now. this
0: movie? They used to play this Big on HBO like oh, crazy. constantly. Yes, and it had that great scene where uh, they get pulled over for drunk driving and Tom's driving the car and it, it it cuts scenes to where the cops got everybody standing outside of the car and, and I remember this scene being in the ads for it where he's going wait a minute your friend is blind and he, it was just really, but it was a good good movie cuz Mark Singer man I think he he you know years later I think he was one of those people that you know, those actors that people would look back at and kind of snicker because he'd been in so many crappy movies. But he was good in that movie. He he was like Christopher Reeve level in that. Yes, movie. he, he, he really was. He sold. was one of
2: those appealing actors. Yeah, yes. he was like a Matthew Broderick at that yes, time too. Yeah, you know,
0: very much. So, well, the guy that played his wise ass friend was really good in that movie too. The one that he because he was constantly just messing with him and playing God. jokes on him and stuff like the there's a great scene where uh where tom runs out onto it's like a football field or something to meet his girlfriend and he's all proud of himself and he's going look look what i did and she's like what what and he's like look don't you see and he's like what what did you do and she goes i got my socks on the right feet for the first time and she's just like oh jesus and she's <laughs> like who who told you that socks you know Go, you know, our assigned feet basically, and it and it was his friend messing with him, and so then he's like, you know, could 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 you aim me toward my friend because he wants to go (laughs) run him down? It's a really good good scene, but that that was a really good movie, and it's weird too because it's like totally out of my wheelhouse. I don't usually like those, like you know.
2: Well, that's what HBO is great. HBO got you exposed to a lot of movies you wouldn't have seen wouldn't normally normalcy. out of sheer boredom.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Because to this day, one of my favorite movies is uh, uh, Desert Bloom, which is so far out of my wheelhouse, it's ridiculous. Because my there's wife th- and I were actually talking about that movie not long ago, and she's like, you like that movie? How did you ever see that there's, movie?
2: There, there's another one on this list that I remember being a, one you picked up off HBO that's off your wheelhouse, but that'll be coming up oh, later. Cool. Uh, if I recall see. right, let's see, partners. I
0: don't. What is that? I don't know what that one is either.
2: I um, vaguely remember
0: that, but not really. ACDC, Let There Be Rock. That's a rock concert movie,
2: right? That is a rock concert movie. I've actually seen it. It's pretty lame,
1: <laughs> <laughs> even I, for I,
2: ACDC. oh yeah, never- no, you know what? No, I don't think I have seen that. I've seen for those about to rock, we salute you. Okay. So yeah. I don't know what this is. What the deal with this is? And the last one on the list is Pandemonium, which uh,
0: doesn't ring a bell. Switching back to the world of comics, what the hell month were we on? April. (laughs) Switching back to the world of comics, April. April. Ah, here you go, Chris. Daredevil one eighty one. Yeah, that's a that was a big deal. I can remember that being a huge deal for you personally. So much so that the trying to hunt it down. Yeah, the book that I was writing at the time, which I have no idea whatever happened to that but uh, had a mention of the fact that you were hunting that issue. So that's like where we were in our lives at the time, that Daredevil 181 was like a big deal.
2: Man, I'd love to see that book again. I I, I remember reading that. like That was one of the most painful experiences. It was like when Biblio Mike sent a book. It's like, okay, I, I hope I like this. And then I was like, <laughs> hey, that was pretty good by the end of it. <laughs> Uh, my subscription
0: to DC comics presents began with a seriously lame issue. It was Superman nice. and the, um, dial H for heroes. <laughs> and I think it was the first time I ever was introduced to dial H and, uh, yeah, they're pretty seriously lame, but there's a funny story there is that, uh, I remember when that, uh, it, I was kind of like double whammied because not only was it a really like lame issue, but it it materialized out of the blue because for my birthday that year my mother had arranged to get me a subscription that worked out just right that the first issue came for my birthday you know which which was in april i remember the that the problem was was that i was a huge superman fan and i wanted a subscription to it was one of the superman titles that was either action or superman I can't remember which one it was, but when she sent away the subscription and instead of using like a subscription form, she just wrote a letter to DC Comics. And it was something to the effect of, dear sirs, I would like to subscribe my son to DC Comics. Thank you. And here's your money. So I'm sure that somebody in their subscription department is like, I don't know what the hell. mo. And so just, you know, because she had said, I want a subscription to DC Comics, they sent DC Comics Presents, which, you know, all right, good guess, you know, whatever. And it was hit and miss, but it was just, I remember, like, really having to fake it, you know, like, oh, Mm -hmm. gee, thanks, Mom. And secretly in my heart, I'm going, damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, DC Comics, but seriously, because that was one of those titles where I would only buy select issues, you know, it was, like most of those team up books were that way, you know, if it, if it looked good, or, you know, your your guy was teaming up with another character that you either knew or you thought looked cool or whatever, you'd buy it. But if it was like, you know, Superman and, you know, some lame ass like <laughs> Dial H, you'd be like, Nah, I think I'll skip that issue kind of thing. But I was stuck with it for the next 11 issues. So uh the comics medium changed forever with the uh April 1982 release of Marvel graphic novel number 1 The Death of Captain Marvel mhm that was a big deal i remember that being that was a
2: huge, huge deal. deal that and the yeah. the new um the new mutants yep that one comes up sort of yep Yep, those are a big one-two punch in graphic novels.
0: Yep, that one comes up a little bit later in the month, as a matter of fact. But yeah, that was a a huge, huge deal. And still a damn good story, too. I just Mm reread that not long ago. The only Captain Marvel... That incarnation of Captain Marvel is the only story of his I ever liked, was the one where he died. Um, And finally, for... uh, April 1982, The Rocketeer takes flight in a backup feature in Star Slayer number two from, uh, I think that was Pacific Comics, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So back to the world of movies again, we've got uh, May of 1982, we've got The House Where Evil
2: Dwells? No idea. Uh, no, I, I should know about that movie, but I do not know about that movie. Paradise?
0: Ah, here, here we go. Now we're starting to get into the meat because I I know that you and I have fond memories of this movie. Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was my dad. Take that, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was my dad that that forever got me thinking of... uh, I, I don't refer to him as Conan. I always refer
2: to him as Gonad. That's my dad called him Gonad the Barbarian. I used to know a kid when when (laughs) I would stay at the neighbor's summer camp the neighbor's cousin would call him Toenail the Barbarian. (laughs) I am Toenail the Barbarian! (laughs) (laughs) Great movie. Great movie. Great Arnold. Classic Arnold. James Earl Jones. Flying Snake Arrows. Some nudity. I have not
0: seen that movie in... Oh, my... It's forever ago. I haven't seen that in so long. You know, I'm looking here. I wonder how accurate... Because this is just some weird site that I chanced across. I'm wondering how accurate these uh, these listings for box office are. Because according to this, on a budget of $20, uh, 20 million, it only made $38.2 million. You know, that's not a hell of a return.
2: It wasn't a big hit. It was It was kind of... didn't get really good reviews. I remember... We're, I remember we watched it because we were up late. We were getting to watch an R-rated movie with your dad, right? And we were like, "All right, we'll watch Conan the Barbarian," but we weren't really interested. And then we got sucked into it, and you know, and then it was just completely augmented by your dad's running commentary. <laughs> and but I remember it being a really somber. It captured the feel of the comics. It was somber. It took it. It took the material seriously, but it had light moments of. And I remember. The female lead to it was kind of homely, you know. Yeah, it made her more of a war. You know that Conan was like more interested in the in the warrior. You know, but that was Arnold Schwarzenegger's girlfriend at the time too. So Oh okay. that may have had yeah. something to do with the casting. You know, sort of yeah. like Clint Eastwood was always doing movies with Sandra Locke for a while when they were married, oh, and Jesus, she wasn't yes. the like she wasn't the kind of had a little hatchet face there going. Yeah, I
0: never could understand what what he saw in her. I really didn't. Because the only thing that I've ever seen her it, in... The, he that was I,
2: one of those... It's one of those celebrities who married someone who looked just like him. You know, like <laughs> Jack, Mick Jagger did that, David Bowie did that. It's like, I'm going to marry the female that looks like me. And with Clint Eastwood, that's not really... You know, if you're like David Bowie and you're kind of androgynous to begin with, you can find a woman who sort of looks like you and is kind of hot. Clint Eastwood, not so much, you know. <laughs> it's like Ernest Borgnine. Fight. Well, it's sort of like Danny DeVito and Rita Perlman you know. At least like size-wise and everything, you know. Right. <laughs> but I digress.
0: Well, I know the next one on the list was uh, was one that you uh, were a big fan of, which was "Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid."
2: Yeah, I always remember
0: you like that too. I, I think you kind of sold it, uh, you know, sold me on it eventually. But I remember when it first came along, I was kind of like, nah, I don't know. But it was it was it was humorous. I think I would appreciate it a lot more now than I did back then because I, I thought it was a little bit slow. Well, but it's, what it's, was incredible is the detail that I mean, it would be so easy to do that movie today with computers, right? But back then, I mean, they basically for anybody that doesn't know, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid was it was a Steve Martin picture where he took footage from tons and tons of old uh black and white Hollywood you know early Hollywood movies and he just selected different scenes and different bits and pieces and pieced them all together and and integrated himself into a whole new movie that kind he of fire sign
2: theater like yeah very effect.
0: much like that but what was amazing was that Firesign Theater never went out of their way to make it all work and, and integrated and everything, whereas Steve right. Martin, when when they set up shots where he would, like, for example, he would talk to Humphrey Bogart, they had to match the lighting and the mood and every, they had to get it just right so that it totally blended and you believed that these people people were in the same scene together this was all i mean come on it's 1982 this was 82. all pre computers you know all that sort of thing so they had to yeah. do this by just doing it you know by by everything was physically done and just amazing i mean they really did a, a phenomenal job at least as i recall that woody it really, ellen
2: ended up topping it with Zelig was like the next one that and then for and it wasn't until forrest gump that it right it's yeah. full fruition right but it's sort of a forerunner of forrest gump in a way and a, yeah you're right
0: I, I, I that's one of
2: those i'll have to hunt it down and watch it again because i haven't seen that one in a long or time or the star trek or the like star trek episodes where they put themselves back right. into um trouble with, tribbles trouble with and
0: tribbles, stuff. Like absolutely well, the next one on the list i don't know what it is fighting back i don't know what that is never heard of it but the next one after that is holy shit was this a big friggin deal when it came out which was the road warrior oh which man that movie to me anyway seemed like it came completely out of left field cuz i remember i don't remember even seeing like ads or anything for it all I, my memories of that are spotty as far as like an origin story because all I can remember is is going to the Black River driving with my dad, and I'm trying, I want to say I had a buddy your or two. Your dad
2: must me. have loved
0: he that. Movie. Loved that movie with and uh, screaming cars. You know, it, your dad must have been just like, yeah, it was unreal. I mean, I was I was sitting there yeah. because there was a lot of moments during that movie where I was a little bit embarrassed to be watching it with my dad but by the end of the movie we were just like backslabbing each other going hell yeah that was a great movie you know because it is it's just it's it's just a balls out
2: action flick you know and and it's the forerunner of all the post apocalyptic mm-hmm. you know rip offs of it to, oh that movie when that came out my sister got in big trouble cuz she got caught sneaking out to the drive in with a neighbor with the neighbor boys on <laughs> a uh, double date and when she see that and came back it was like Holy shit, there was a guy with a boomerang with, that was like a razor blade boomerang and stuff. And I was like, I, I didn't get to see it till it was on HBO. Oh. But when it was on, it was just... I would have loved to have seen that in the drive-in. Well, see, I was going to
0: ask you if it was you that went with me because I, I want to no. see that one other person was was with us, but I I honestly Randy. can't remember. I, it may have been Randy. I'm really not sure. I know my mother didn't go. This is this I know that for sure because I think if if she had gone, been I do Gary too yeah. for all that. Yeah, that's true. Better. But uh, I think if my mother had gone, I don't think I would have have, uh, had the same. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I'd have the same fond memories of it or whatever. But uh, yeah, I just remember being completely blown away by that movie. And uh, I mean, come on, that's the movie that that put Mel Gibson on the map and uh, had a really good score, as I remember. Just, I mean. Mm That's another one that uh, that I need to dig out and we we should probably do an episode on
2: that at some point. I love that movie. I love that I would I would definitely do it. I love I wouldn't mind doing the whole, you know, I know you, I know most people just hate um Thunderdome, but I kind of like Thunderdome it, a lot of things about Thunderdome. Uh, I've grown to love Mad Max, especially if you can see the original one before they put the you know where mel gibson's like hey cut it out you guys you know where they put the (laughs) the american dub voices in right but bad max you know it's way lower budget it was like low budget australian movie so it didn't look like it was in the it looked like it was in a town in australia right and it was there was still civilization and he had a wife and and it was just seemed kind of cheesy and slow compared to the Road Warrior because I remember they started playing Mad Matt or Road, the Mad Max on HBO after the Road Warrior, and I remember we watched it and we were like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, I, but now that I've day... seen it since then, I've seen it since then, and it's it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece of. It would be another movie your dad would love. It's a masterpiece of cars. It's all about cars pissed off cars roaring across the you know and and smashing into each other and chases and stuff and what i really like is in mad max you find out that he has a brother who's like deformed or retarded or you know differently abled or whatever he's he kind of looks like chunk in in the goonies and then that makes this that's why in um thunderdome when he's fighting master blaster and the mask comes off and he sees the guy's like deformed and like you know obviously like not all there he he, he hesitates cuz it's like it's his brother you know i i always like that but but of you know i mean the road warriors the empire strikes back <laughs>
0: Well, what like, I liked about that series is that you could either watch it as a as a series, as a trilogy, or whatever, or you could take
2: just the Road Warrior on sure. its so own. You don't need. You could take any of them on yeah. their own and just sort of go with it. Yeah, they're all uh, sort, They're all just sort of. Well, the first one's a sort of narrative, and the Road Warrior and uh, Beyond Thunderdome are both just legends. Right. You know, both of them are. Both of them are just tales told by somebody telling a tale of. So they so they could be exaggerated. They don't have to link up, you know. They don't have to really, you know, have a, a real continuity, you know, because you have the character of the gyro pilot popping up in in the in the in the third movie, but he's a different character, but he's still right. the same actor in the gyro pilot. You know, it's like. Yeah, you know, whatever, but it's all just like the the it's like legends of that character of the the man with no name or you know, Max. Right. I I love that movie. Yeah, I would love to do a, Cuz I was you were, we were talking about that and you were saying, "Well, I don't know if this is going to it might have a little bit of 80s damage to it." No. <laughs> no, that's a movie I watch regularly. I'll watch that over and over again, and it it has some 80s elements to it. But it's just—I mean, from beginning to end, it's awesome, awesome, awesome. That would—that might be a, 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 a commentary. Oh yeah. At some point. I'd be down for that. I, I'd absolutely
0: be down for that. Um, but yeah, I, I remember just being walk just, away. Just a huge, huge fan of that one. I mean, just uh, such a,
2: a massive. Oh, I movie remember for you us like, in 82 i remember you hunting down the soundtrack yes you, uh, to, uh, you had the hardest time fi- finally getting the soundtrack to that
0: i was a man on a mission to get that one because i really really like what's funny too is that Brian, there's, hey, uh, 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 at least one track maybe a couple of tracks from the soundtrack to that that made their way into the soundtrack of uh what was the Chuck Norris movie that was kind of uh, Chuck Norris doing First Blood? Do you remember what the hell the name of that movie was?
2: Mm, no, I know what you mean, though. It's a
0: cheesy-ass war picture. where It's basically, he's, he's pretty much just ripping off First Blood. But mm-hmm. there's a scene in that movie where, I don't know, he's Code of Honor, tortured or something, and they use the, the road warrior music. I'm like, what the hell? I remember seeing you know, like 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 moments from it on HBO one time, like flipping channels or something. I think something. it's Code of Honor. Could be, it could be. I'm I'm not sure. I don't, I never really cared for Chuck Norris, so I'm not sure what movie it is. But uh, but anyway, you know, being such a huge fan of that movie, and then going back and and tracking down Mad Max, thinking, you know, well, if I if I loved World Warrior, you know, Mad Max, you know, the original movie, that would be really great. And being to this day, I'm phenomenally disappointed in that movie. I just. I've watched it several times and every time I I can take it as its own entity, but how in the hell they consider the Road Warrior a sequel to Mad Max has
2: has always mystified me because it's like it's It's like the sequel just like Evil Dead two was a sequel to Evil Dead. It was like, here's a lot of money Right. Do what you wanted to do in the first place. Right. You can do it now And he's just like, Oh, I can have tankers and a whole city, you know. A fortress built out the desert so you know i think that's basically what it was it was just sort of an expansion of the theme and it was it was the character after you know that was mad max was a character in the last gasps of civilization and road warrior was long after his family was gone long after you know being a cop you know there were cops in in mad max right
0: yeah that was the thing that threw me right out of the gate Is that it's supposed to be a post-apocalyptic movie And he's a and cop going,
2: I'm like, what? At the beginning they're like, he's going into work Hey guys, you know, and he's uh, driving <laughs> right. into the police station you <laughs> <Right. know. laughs> And that was the thing, yeah Well, yeah, that was a good
0: analogy, you know, the Evil Dead thing Because the only other thing, you know, the analogy I thought of Was that, you know, it's a, it's a sequel in the aspect of like Battle for the Planet of the Apes is a sequel to like <laughs> Any of the other movies It's like, it just don't match up, you know, but but, yeah, I, dude, if you want to make that the next one, I'm down because I, I, I really I get a kick out of that movie. Uh, let's see. Moving along here. The next one on the list as a movie, Uh, you know, you would have to strap me to a chair to get me to sit through this piece of shit, which was Annie.
2: I hate every damn song that came out of that because they It's a it, hard knock a lie. Oh, Jesus. Or, uh, Don't John start. Houston, one of the great directors of all time, great American directors directed that. I enjoyed Annie. I wouldn't sit down. I would sit down and watch it again, but you know, I, w- I don't really feel like see. But I had come on. it had Carol Burnett in it. Yeah, Albert Finney. You know, Tim. Curry. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I Tim know. Tim Curry. It's. It's. Yeah. The, it's I mean, the my sister used to play all those songs on her flute, and I hate them all. Tomorrow is one <laughs> of my most hated songs. I hate that song of all time. Um, you know. You know how much.
0: How, you know how highly. Uh, you know high regard i i have for michael bailey and and you know let, let's just be honest we love mike mike's a great guy but i wanted to d- drive to georgia and slap everybody's got him for playing uh, tomorrow in one of his i think it was that was the i don't know one of those shit songs from that movie he played in an episode uh, of uh of fctc when they were covering um i'm trying to think of what it was what was he being ironic with it? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. It was because it was a sun-related. So it was, like, yeah, the sun will come up tomorrow. That was what it was. Yeah, yeah. During the when they were covering the 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 eclipse, so the darkness within saga, and I was like, "See, well, that's funny." Like, or if dude, it's a vampire story I can't or, sit or something, this shit. You know, <laughs> I know. But I, God, I hate that song. Anyway, moving along, we got a uh, visiting
2: hours. I don't know what that is. I believe. That may have had Shatner in it, really. I think that might be a Canadian like slasher what? movie set Dude. in a hospital.
0: It had Shatner and mm-hmm. Michael Ironside.
2: How the hell did I not heard you, of the movie? You got you got the guy. I remember movies that I've never seen. I'll t- I I have the casts of like I used to I used to play a game with my friends on cable where if a movie was coming on, they would say, "What movie is this?" You know, and it would be like who could figure out what movie it was first? I could always get it would be something that I never saw but I remember seeing the previews for it or reading reviews of it, you know, 15 years ago. And it would just be like did 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 it? So, yeah, visiting hours, man. Don't screw with me, man, especially with Shatner. Ow. It was a terrible movie. I just It's very j- dull. <laughs> I
0: just jammed my knee on my desk. Ow. Um yeah, I'm look. I've got to look this up now. I got to see what the deal. Okay, I remember this poster it says so frightening you'll never recover.
2: Okay, <laughs> sounds like Shatner wrote that copy. Yeah, it does.
0: All right, I got to hunt this. If it's got Shatner, okay. All right, see the thing.
2: If you yeah, go but the people talk I'm- Shatner into being all sorts of stuff. So don't get too excited. No, no, you know, I'm, they're I'm, like, I'm, hey, dude, you're Canadian. We're Canadian. Be in our movie, dude. I'm not. See the site that I'm
0: looking at. It just you know if you if you click the link for each of the pictures it just all it gives you is the cast and like genre that's it. very bare bones. Well, the very first name on the list is William Shatner. So I'm thinking, oh, this must he must be the star of this. But then if you go to Wikipedia and look, he's the last name on the list.
2: Yeah, he's so, in it. Yeah, I think yeah, he's like he's the in top it. in it. You know, but it's yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's down
0: the list here. But it, it looks here like the. Uh, like, Michael Ironside might... I don't know. I can't... But just the fact that it's got, you know, Captain Kirk and Darkseid in the same movie. Come on. Come on. <laughs> it can't suck too hard. Ah, uh, let's okay. see. All right. So here we go. Here's a big one. Rocky Three.
2: I remember seeing that in the theater. I know you and I watched it together on HBO at least one time. I, I went to see it. I remember seeing that in the theater, and the theater went... Birds, or just like rocky 2 the theater went berserk but people were primed to go ape shit in rocky 3 and it was just kind of ridiculous but rocky 3 come on that's where we got our mr t uh, the rise of mr t have you ever seen that uh that thing on uh,
0: on youtube where somebody took pieces of the old mr t cartoon and pieces of uh the super friends and worked it to where yes. it's the whole scene where where Clubber Lang is challenging Rocky, except that this is Mr. T challenging Superman to a fight. Have you seen that? I believe I have. That shit is hysterical. Because it's just going along, and you're already laughing. Clubber you're already thinking it's funny. And then all of a sudden it cuts to Hawkman, and he goes... You don't get no shot at the champ.
1: And I mean that. <laughs> it's just hysterical. <laughs> it just cracks me
0: up every time. I just start laughing. And then, you know, it's got Mr. T looking at Wonder Woman. He's going, hey, woman. Hey, woman. Are you like a real man? It's, it's it's hysterical, dude. But, you know, I I'm, could be wrong, but I think that was the first of the Rocky films I ever saw. Because I saw it, you know, again, like you say, on HBO – you know, there'd be nothing else on, you know, you're waiting for, you know, some other thing to come on and, and this come on. And I just, I got hooked. I, that's, it's still my favorite one, probably just because it was, I'm pretty sure it was the first one I saw because I just, yeah, I didn't give a shit about Rocky or Rocky. I mean, they're great movies. I've seen them now, but as a 14 year old, I just, it was out of my wheelhouse. I didn't care, you know? Really
2: in the, in the scope of movies, like, you know, as, as entertainment value and stuff, they were all they were all a lot of fun, but like Rocky is really um, um, the only like really like good movie of the lot. You know, like a good Rocky is a fan. Wasn't a Best Picture of the year it came out, I uh, believe. It, it won a shitload
0: of awards. I'm not sure if Best Picture is one of them, but I
2: I I, believe, bro- I I think it won Best Picture that year. It was a big deal. Right and and uh, and it was I mean it was just an amazingly acted. It wasn't a populist movie. It turned out to be because people went nuts for it, but it was really just sort of a um, a centerpiece for Stallone's acting, which is so funny because he got the reputation of being a shitty actor. Right. <laughs> when in fact I believe he wrote Rocky He wrote and uh, did he? He didn't. Direct, did he direct
0: that one? I can't remember. Did he direct the first one? I don't know if he directed. I it. I know he wrote it. it. He uh, he wrote it and starred in it. But I I I can't. I honestly can't remember. But yeah, it is. I, I know. I've always thought that that was very wrong. Well, plus the the first Rocky has more of a um, a low budget arty
2: feel to it than any of the yes. Seasons, you know, it's gritty. It's gritty, gritty. and low budget, yeah. and and it's it's a quiet intense movie. You know, it isn't playing to the like raw Rocky go Rocky." It is to an extent because it's a boxing. You know, it's a good old fashioned boxing movie. But it's 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 really intimate. You know, it's really a love story about him and Talia Shire, and you know, and her being you know just completely bullied by her brother, and you know, by Rocky two three four. He's just a comedy character but in, right. in rocky he was a he was a abusive bastard you know mm-hmm. so so you know anybody who hasn't seen rocky has to has to see rocky and i heard rocky balboa was really good too oh really yeah
0: his son just passed away did you see that in the news
2: no i never heard of that
0: yeah, I guess uh, I've never seen Beyond the Fourth Movie. You know, I've seen I've seen the fourth one and that's where I was out. I was like, "Eh, you know, this is a pretty It's you know, come on, let's be honest. This is a pretty shitty movie, but it's still a feel-good movie even though it's a shitty movie." And I didn't need anything beyond that. And then I, the fifth one came out and I heard mixed things about it, but just everything <laughs> I've heard about it is enough to make me think, "Eh, I don't need to see
2: uh, no, that. No, but no, no. But his
0: son um I want to make sure I'm remembering this story right. I'm pretty sure his his real life son plays his son in that movie. Is that right? I think that's yes. right. Yeah, and and he just yeah he, they just found him dead. Like this was just a few days ago as we record this. Yeah. And I guess they're still looking into it, but it was some sort of some sort of overdose. I don't know if it was like, you know, drugs, drugs, or or drugs, drugs, or, drugs or, or something. But yeah, yeah, something. All drugs, right, drugs. You know okay. you what, know, illegal
2: drugs. Yeah, I know. You know I mean. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, moving along, The Escape Artist, I don't don't know what that is. And Safari 3000, again, I don't know what the hell that is. Either. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. Again, I've lost the month here. What were we looking at? We were looking at May. All right, so that was May. So switching back to the world of comics, I have one note for May in the world of uh, 1982 in comic books. Swamp Thing is back. This was uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing number one kicked off. And I don't know how big a deal that was in the world of comics per se, but for me personally,
2: that was a big friggin' deal because I was a huge Swamp Thing fan. Well, I remember we had to go to FaZe, or not FaZe, or whatever. What was that? What was it, A&P, or whatever? We had to go to that other market where they had the, remember they had the Radio Shack computer set up, and that's yes. where we could buy the Saga of the Swamp Thing. You're so. right,
0: yeah, you're right.
2: You're Either that right. or we had to go to Watertown to get them.
0: Yeah, you're right, because as I was looking, making, you know, compiling this list, I, I don't know what month or what issue or whatever, but there was an issue of Batman, with Batman and Robin on the cover, and it's like a foggy moor or something like that, and they're turning to look at something behind them. And I can specifically remember buying that that issue at the store that you're talking about because it's set right there behind the Drek subs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. That Drek's is still there, by the way. Oh yeah, I, I know. There. The last time I was in uh, in, Carthage. I love
2: Drek subs, man. Yeah.
0: Oh, I was actually very disappointed in the quality of the sub that I got, yeah. but uh, but I was just surprised that that Drek was still there. I thought that was really cool. I can't remember what what the hell that store was. That's that building is still there too. It's something different now, but uh,
2: it's like maybe. yeah, it's like somebody's bought it and it's like their warehouse or something now. Yeah. It's just like yeah. If I think of it, um, listeners, if I think of this, um, I'll, I'll see if I can hunt
0: up the pictures. I was there. This was gosh, two true freaks was still in its infancy when my when my grandmother Gardner passed away remember? Because I did an episode about going mm. back there. Right. And, uh, and I took a ton of pictures. If I can, if I can hunt those pictures up, I'll post them to Facebook just so people can see. Cause I, I did, I took pictures of all the, all the stuff, you know, it was in the dead of winter. It was like February or March of that year. So it was like the snow is like 80 feet deep and everything. But, uh, but yeah, I did. I went and visited a lot of those old places like the Drex and stuff like that. And it's just, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, cause a lot of the stuff's still there, but you know, it's, everything's different and at one point, there, Carth is like half the town burned down. That yeah. was like 10, 15 years ago. So, All right, yep. so need a break or anything, or are we good to go? Because we're about at the halfway point right here.
2: Well, you could put a grip break in there if you want, but I'm I'm good to go on. Okay. My bladder's holding out, and All right. it, it, if that's what you mean. <laughs> All
0: right, so moving right along, we're about to hit some major. This is where this is where really the I was going to
2: say there's there. a lot of stuff. Sort of, I've just got mine listed alphabetically, but I'm as I'm crossing stuff out, it's like getting more and more condensed. Good stuff in here. Well, this moment, I swear, hmm? I
0: swear. <laughs> Well, this month alone, we're, we're moving into June, so now we're officially into summer, summer 1982, and June is huge, dude. Right off the bat, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. A massive, massive. All-time pre- classic. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because I, my biggest movie memory of Star Trek II... Was being in that mall in Pennsylvania, and I I want to say you were with me, but I don't know if that was the trip that we went together
2: or not. Do you remember?
0: I don't, no, it wasn't. No, we didn't
2: get to see any movies when we were when we went down there. We well, went no, to the no.
0: mall. We went to the mall. That's what I'm saying. Is I remember seeing the poster, like oh. way, you know, like when you walk into a mall and they've got those like it's usually a three sided like marquee and it has like the the yeah. mall map and then the other two sides will be advertising shit one of the sides of that and i want to say it was the one that like like as you walk into the mall like it was right in your face but i i am not i'm not sure if i'm remembering it right but anyway there was a poster for star trek 2 and it was that classic poster where it was you know the word star trek 2 the wrath of khan was the center of the poster and then all around framing the edge was a bunch of stills from the movie almost looked like little like trading cards you know as a yeah. border and it was that classic poster for Star Trek 2. And I remember seeing it and and being interested but kind of dispassionately interested like, oh, there's a new Star Trek movie out. You know, maybe you know, maybe that'd be something cool, but not like dying to go see it or whatever. And I didn't see it until it came to HBO, which I'm not sure what the what the transition time was back then between, you know, theater and HBO. But Star Trek 2 you know, is the movie that that officially you know put me over the edge into being a, a full blown Star Trek fan. I, mm-hmm. I do now deeply regret not seeing it in the theater. I've never seen it, you know, on the big screen, but uh, but yeah, that
2: was pretty much my uh, my origin story for Star Trek Two. What do you got on that one? That was an HBO one for me too, but that was I mean I remember listening to the cassette that we made of that. Mm-hmm. that you made of that over and over you know mm-hmm. memorizing that movie
0: absolutely well one of the big things for me one of the reasons i wanted to <clears> record <throat> it off of hbo you know audio record it i still to this day i'm really blown away by the sound mix in that movie because it's such a quiet movie you know if you ever just mm-hmm. listen to that movie it's very quiet and it's got a really masterful sound mix and uh, I'm just really impressed by the sound. It doesn't
2: get loud to the end, and then when it gets loud, then when it goes, and the mu- music starts a dum 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 dum, you know, and it's it's a wonderful, really really great.
0: We need to do a, a full blown uh, Rathacon episode at some point because we never really have. I mean, we've we've done a couple episodes that have touched on elements. But you know the other movies we've done like you know commentaries or whatever we've not really to my recollection done like a full blown. Wrath, Wrath of Khan. Khan. I, at least I don't think so. Now you watched Bibliomike or something. <laughs> no, no, dude, you did one already. But to my recollection, we didn't. But maybe it's just because it's such a big deal, ep- you know, big deal movie that it just feels like we still haven't done it the proper justice. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: we have to do like eight hours on it before <laughs> <we> exhaust it. <laughs> uh let's see next up you know we could (laughs) we
1: could oh yeah we
0: could we could oh there's so much stuff to talk about in that movie too um poltergeist that's you know i just rewatched that not too long ago i want to say within the past like six months or so because the kids had never seen it (laughs) not that it's a kid movie but i figured they were old enough you know because, like, Scotty would seen Jaws and stuff like that, so I wanted him to see that. And uh, I think they got it. I think they liked it, if I re-
2: recall. How could you not like it? How could you not be creeped out? Uh, you know, it's it's one of those classic 80 movies where it could probably be a scary movie that you show the kids. But then it has some moments of, you know, it's got the mo- the guy pulling, picking his face off in the mirror and stuff. Mm-hmm. That, you know, moments of and corpses coming up out of the lawn of just sheer you know gory you know like r-rated horror it's toby hooper for one you know it's the same director as the the, the, the freaking texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> know. and and it's funny because poltergeist spielberg was producing poltergeist and directing et sort of at the same time mm-hmm. and he was making poltergeist to be the big giant hit and E.T. to be a little sleeper movie. Mm -hmm. And it sort of turned out the other way around. Not that Poltergeist was a sleeper, but E.T. became the, like, box office buster. But, yeah, yeah, Poltergeist was... Yeah, that was... Poltergeist was the beginning of when you started seeing those guys really, you know, the movie, like, you know, Gremlins and stuff, where, you know, they really started throwing some strong gore and, and violence in to PG, you know. This was this was a little predating PG-13, you know. This was a predecessor to bringing on PG-13, I'm sure. But what a great cast in this movie too, you know. Oh yeah. That's another one we could do a commentary or a whole show. Yeah, on. Yeah, I
0: would love to. You know, that's what I'm thinking is there's there's some of these, where I'm almost tempted to kind of table comments, just you know, awaiting the commentary or yeah, because well, episode. a lot of
2: these classic ones we know we're going to do a show on. Maybe this will be a good Halloween show.
0: <clears throat> I, I yeah, let's put that one on the calendar. I love that idea because you're right. I mean, it, it's got, I mean. You know, you got Craig T. Nelson, you know, who went on to be Mr. Incredible and all that. Uh, you got Jo Beth Williams, who, she was the, the mother in uh, in Desert Mr. Bloom Planet. that I was just talking about. Oh, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a phenomenal movie. And you know, I could be wrong, maybe I'm forgetting a movie off the top of my head, but I think this was like the f- first full-blown horror movie that, that I ever really, like, seriously got into. Because, you know, I, up, up to that point, I
2: purposely avoided horror movies. Well, I had Spielberg
0: going right, for it, right. so I
2: think that's what what got you interested.
0: I liked it because, yes, it does have horror elements. You know, you got, you got you know, zo- or not zombies, but, you know, corpses and ghosts and, you know, very spooky stuff. But I liked it more because it was damn creepy than, you know, it didn't really have a whole lot of gore or, you know, blood and guts or anything. It was more the creep factor. And I, I like that. I, I really prefer that in horror movies. I don't need to see, you know, splattery stuff. I'd I'd rather just be just seriously creeped out and and scared out of my wits than than just see a bunch of splatter. You know,
2: that that's just me. Ah, why can't you have both? <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> uh, and see. we're gonna get that later on in this year. Oh yes.
0: I'll, uh, let's see. Next up, Hanky Panky, which I, pff, I don't know. What is this one? Let's see. It's got, is that uh, contractor? uh, Gene Wilder, Robert Prosk. I don't recognize any of these. Oh, William Sadler. Really? William Sadler. Yeah. Kathleen Quinlan. Those are the only other names I recognize here. Yeah, I have no idea what that movie is. Gene Wilder picture, apparently. Ah, moving along here. Okay, here's a little movie that you may have heard of called E.T. the Extraterrestrial.
2: Yep, the little sleeper hit of 1982. Little sleeper
0: hit. On a budget of $10.5 million, had a a domestic gross of $435 million. (laughs) So much merchandising, too. Holy crap. Holy shit, dude. Almost a, almost a half billion dollars in 1982. Unbelievable. That's crazy. It was kind of a big deal. It was a huge, huge deal. Um, man, there's so much I could say about this, but I know we've got a, a, an episode just waiting in the wings for E.T. As a matter yeah. of fact, I'm going to make the commitment...
2: You oh my god, do you know how many times we listen to the ah, uh,
0: yeah. You got to keep on me about this, but I I'm, I'm going to make the commitment. I'm serious about this.
2: You are going to dig out that tape. I'm going to dig out
0: that tape and when you're here, I'm going I'm going to give it to you. I'm yes. going to hand it to you and uh and I'm I'm still I'm hoping it still works cuz so far as I know, I think it's out in the garage in a box right now. So, you know, in the Florida heat and all. I hope it's I uh, hope it's still good. I hope it's still playable. But yeah, if I can hunt it up you can have it when you're here. And uh, what it is, so is, what we're talking about, is in 1982, at the height of E.T.'s fame and popularity and, and everything, at the theater, Chris and I went to a showing, and uh, and I recorded the entire thing. It was just an audio recording, but I recorded the whole thing. So you, you basically get to sit in the theater... In nineteen, you know, in the in the summer of 82 and mm-hmm. and watch E T. and uh, and I think it's, you know, I think it'll make for a nice little time capsule, because with me and Scott talking yeah, to each it's other. It's with us; you can hear us talking to each other. And uh, but more than anything, what what's really cool is you're, you're gonna get the crowd. Re- you're gonna hear what a big friggin' deal this movie was because people loved it. You know, so in the funny parts, you hear the crowd roar. You know, in the quiet parts, you can actually hear people crying and sobbing. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's something. So, yeah, let's, fingers crossed that it still works
2: and it's, it's, you know, it's salvage. Don't you hear your sister say something at some point? Like, but she
0: didn't go with us to that one. Okay. That was a, it was a subsequent rewatch. I, I took my little sister. She was, uh, well, my is nine years younger than me. So let's see, 1982, she was, she was, um, she was five. No, she wasn't even five yet because her birthday's in December. So she was... Uh, she was younger than Gertie then. Yeah. Because we were we had just turned 14, and she would turn five in December, so she wasn't even five years old yet. And I had to hold the theater seat down for her because she was so tiny that she didn't have the weight to keep it down on, you know, on her own so by the end of that movie, my arm was friggin' killing. <laughs> she loved it. And she, she tells me that she still remembers that, too, which I think is really neat. But she remembers going to see that. Speaking of my little sister, she uh, she plays very heavily into my uh, less than fond memories of the next movie, which I don't think I've ever actually <laughs> sat through the movie. But she had the soundtrack to it and drove me freaking bananas with it, which was Grease too. Oh, it was it was terrible. damn song called... It was called something like Cool Rider or something. I think that was the name of it. Something Rider. And she would play that song and sing that song,
2: like, constantly. My little sister did that with stupid Eye of the Tiger from... Oh, God. Coffee.
0: Yeah. But she drove... There's another one on this list that'll come along in a little while um, that I'll talk about the same type of deal. But my, my sister... You know, her room, of course, was right next to my room. And when she got to a certain age, my parents bought her a record player. Either a record player or a tape player. I'm not sure. I think it was a record player. And she had just a couple of albums, you know, starting out. And she would just play them to death. And I remember Grease 2 being one of them. And uh, like I say, there's another movie coming along here shortly where there's a song from it that she played just back-to-back, constant. And once she learned that it irritated the shit out of me then she would just do it that much more, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, there was that one song in there that just,
2: ugh, ugh. Um, that, you know, maybe I should take this opportunity, now that we're talking about music, to just do a little rundown. I'm not going to run out off the top 100 hits of 1982, but I'm going to go through and sort of... Now, I was planning on just drubbing it and saying, oh, just terrible music, but some of it a lot of it has become classic rock of course but like number one song 1982 physical by olivia newton oh, Jesus, terrible number two eye of the tiger by survivor and uh three is i love rock and roll by joan jett and the Blackhearts. not bad i hate that four is ebony and ivory no, no way yes by paul McCartney. that was in 82
0: yeah Wow, I thought that was a lot later in the
2: eighties. No, wow. no, Michael Jackson was at a peak because remember he ended up like being the narrator on the ET story record.
0: Right, right, yeah. Uh,
2: number five was Centerfold by Jay Giles Band. Not bad song. Number six was Don't You Want Me by the Human League, which was like not bad for a cheesy, you know. Uh, <laughs> number seven was one we used to rip on a lot called Jack and Diane by Don, I, John Cougar. And number eight was Hurt So Good, so he had two in a row. Yeah. Number nine was the dumbest song by the Steve Miller band, but not a bad song. Abracadabra, I Want to Reach Out and Grab Ya.
0: Reach Out and Slappy
2: is what we used to say. Yeah, and number ten was Hard to Say I'm Sorry by Chicago. So, there, you know, but there was a soundtrack song on there. Chariots of Fire by Vangelis was in there. Um, <laughs> I'm sick to death. Painted Love by Salt. Soft Cell was a pretty a good, good song. Yeah, I love that. Rosanna by Togo was moving. good. Mm-hmm um i'm sorry eight, what six, was that? seven five um um rosanna by toto oh okay it's a nice little moody song of that time but you know these are good i think in the context of of eight six seven five three oh nine famous you know classic you know um, n- about nine out of
0: ten of those songs that you named are on our playlist at work so yes i'm very familiar <laughs> with these songs uh,
2: uh, so now I'm only going to go through and look for ones that are terrible or pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, um, so, and I'm finding more ones that are actually pretty good. Um, actually, "Don't Talk to Strangers" by Rick Springfield is pretty bad.
0: That's my wife's ringtone on her phone. Ah ha ha! Jesus! Huge, huge Rick Springfield fan. "Shake It Up" by The Cars,
2: which was good because it yes. had a great video of a of a librarian letting her hair down. Um, Oh, we Got the Beat by um, the Go-Go's was not was not bad. Mm-hmm. Turn Your Love Around drove me nuts by George Benson. Turn your love around. Here's a song I hated. Sweet Dreams, but not the good Sweet Dreams by the Arrhythmics. Sweet Dreams by Air Supply. Do you how remember does, that? No, how Are, does that one go? Close your eyes I wanna zoom In your thighs oh, in oh,
0: Kiss you, is that the one? No, that's a, that's a Beatles song What
2: the hell song are you talking about? Yeah, it's by Air Supply I don't know it I see you tonight in my sweet dream Oh, it's terrible uh, I don't know uh, that one Here's a good one, Who Can it Be Now by Men at Work <laughs> I, I love like that song Bad. got a great video Yes, they were very goofy in all their videos um, so we loved their videos because <laughs> they were goofballs in them. Um, um, who can? Yeah, who can it be now? I um, in the sky by Alan Parsons Project was mm-hmm. a was a good song. Um, Leather and lace by Stevie Nicks and Don Henley. I used to hate that song. Even the nights are better by Air Supply. Another shitty song, <laughs> but that's pretty much your definition of Air Supply. Um, Pac Man Fever by Buckner and Garcia. Yes. Which, uh, uh, Private Hides by Daryl Hall and John Oates. I can't believe
0: that Pac-Man Fever is not on our playlist at work. Because if you go to the 80s buildings, they're themed in Pac-Man.
2: Oh. I don't get that at all. Uh, Freeze Frame by the Jay Giles band was pretty good. Um, uh, There was a Hooked on America song by the... You know, like the hooked on classics with the uh, patriotic songs. I don't remember that. That's number fifty-six. Uh, Blue Eyes by Elton John. We used to pick on that song Remember that one? Blue Eyes. Baby's, baby's got Randy eyes. Used to sing Blue, Blue Eyes. Yeah, I that and one. Randy used to sing that one all the time, except he'd be like, Black eyes. <laughs> baby's got a black <laughs> eye. Yeah, yeah. He'd turn into domestic abuse or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, now I'm seeing. A, I ran so far away is sort of an iconic song by Flock of Se- Seagulls. Um, Don't stop believing. People love that song. I hate that song. Yeah,
1: I'm not crazy. Uh,
2: about that. Every little thing she does is magic by the Police. Uh, yeah. That was a good song. That was when the Police were actually really fun. Uh, pretty wo- Van Halen's Pretty Woman. Vacation by the Go Go's was fun because of the. It, I always associate it with the um, National Lampoon Vacation movie kids in america remember that we're the kids in america (laughs) (laughs) see the Uh,
0: problem is that these are pop songs and i've never been a pop kind of guy so a lot of these songs i just find them annoying because see that that was the problem back and maybe it's still a problem today i don't know but back when we were kids you could have a song that came out and go hey you know that's a that's a decent little ditty and then six months later, you had heard it 95 million yes, times, and you never want to hear it again. So even now,
2: 30 years later, there's some of these songs that I'm like, if I hear them, I'll throw up. And then you had all the great 60s and 70s guys who were like, we have to sound 80s. And some of right. them made good music during that time, like David Bowie and stuff. But it always had that sort of 80s pop kind of shallow feel to it, you know? Right. There were some, some of them got really, remember Neil Young did Landing on Water and it was all syntho weird, but well, Neil Young always could, made it entertaining, you know? That's why
0: I could never understand why Randy was such a huge fan of, um, uh, Give My Regards to Broad Street, because I thought that album sucked ass, that was- uh, That was, was Paul
2: McCartney's 80s album. Yeah,
0: exactly. It was and him remaking
2: was Beatles shit. songs, 80s style, and they were terrible.
0: And then he started to do all those
2: duets, and, and I thought the same thing. I was like, Paul, man, what,
0: what are you doing? This
2: He was this trying to Beatles. introduce himself into, into the Paul. 80s crowd. Yeah, I know,
0: but for me, it didn't work. Randy loved it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, here's the biggest Beatles fan I'd ever met in my life. And he just ate it up, and I was like... Dude. That's why
2: he was a bigger Beatles fan than you. He was yeah, me, not... Yeah. Good, you, you, you know, he, he had no... There was no critical thought. I was the same way. I, I remember when, during the whole Pete Hesh... I mean, it's in, the, it's in the Pete Hesh story, you know. We were sitting... That was the tape we were listening to. Right. No more lonely nights. Well, no, oh no. See, I
0: liked. Uh, oh, wait. No, that was uh, on Paul's album. Wasn't it? I was thinking that was, that was on,
2: but yeah, you're right. You're that was. Right. Give my regards to Broadside. But it had yeah. it had remakes of you know like um um oh, um a bunch of songs. I know it, like had for no one on it, and, right. but they were just they were just sort of yeah. It was it was really lame, but you know. If what, you know, you had to take what you could get from any output from the Beatles in those days. And John Lennon was two years gone by 1982. Right. So, and George wasn't up to much anything and neither was Ringo. Ringo was probably up to getting drunk and George was probably meditating. So it was pretty what did much record just Paul? Photograph. Photograph, I think, was in the 70s.
0: Oh, was it?
2: Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's off his first solo album. That's off the uh, no, maybe no, it's not. That's off Ringo's Rota So that's like seventies. Like I think that's like 75, 76, oh, okay. somewhere around there. Yeah, I just thought that was an eighties song. New. No. Hmm. But that's about it. That's about it for oh, okay. for music in the eighties. I I didn't see anything else in there that was worth singing horribly or mentioning. <laughs>
0: Well, the next movie on this list kind of surprises me because I had always thought that this movie was a big old bomb, but apparently not. It made back at least twice its money. That it was uh, Firefox. Maybe I'm not thinking of the right movie. Let me look it up here real quick. But I was Firefox thinking that was this Clint was Clint the Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, it is Clint Eastwood. Yeah, it was the one where he was the fighter pilot.
2: hmm He had uh, he had uh, he had to insinuate his way into Russia and grab their spy plane and fly it back to right. us.
0: I remember being bored stupid by that movie.
2: I was bored, stupid, till the end, and then it's fairly exciting because it's kind of a chase at the end. Right. But it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that good. It was just sort of a spy thriller, basically. Right. It's kind of a departure for uh, for Clint. Mm-hmm. Let's see, we got Author,
0: Author, which I don't think I've ever sat through that.
2: That was Dudley Moore, wasn't
0: it? Uh, no, I think you're yeah. thinking of Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> yeah. This was uh, author. Author had Al Pacino was in that movie. Oh, okay. Diane Cannon, Tuesday Well, James Tolkien. Uh, I remember it, but I I guess I forgot I that it was. Really uh, Pacino. It, yeah. Here's a big one. Uh, at least at the time it was. And my feelings on this movie have greatly changed with age. Maybe I need to examine it again. But I know the last time I went to see it, or the last time I actually watched it, was it was when it came back to theaters. God, this had to be over 20 years ago now because I still lived in New York at the time. Randy and I went to see it, and he fell asleep.
2: I know. And what that this,
0: was uh, Blade Runner.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I yeah. love it. I, I guess I need to watch it again. But like I say, the last time I watched it, I, I felt... Well, of course, it was one of those special editions they put out. And every mm-hmm. time they put out a special edition for this movie, they tinker with a friggin' thing, just like the the Star Wars films. And this particular one, I think, was... I'm almost positive it was the narrationless version.
1: Yeah, which wanted, after
0: he, seeing that, I was like, you know, I kind of see what I kind of see the studio's point because without the narration, it's it's kind of
2: a snoozer. I don't know. Yeah, he did, he didn't want that narration at all. It changed up. Uh, there's there's very there's a lot of big changes in the story without that narration and without mm-hmm. the and without the happy ending thing, where it was like, oh well, you know, she doesn't have a time limit before she dies, you know, so she was a special one. So we go off to live happily ever after. It was, right. It it, it it did not, you know, it took the the studio was like, ah, oh, it's too bleak at the end. We better have Harrison Ford say something. So basically, you know, fill in the blanks that she's not gonna. Don't worry, guys, she's not gonna die or anything like that. Right. So As, yeah. Usually I'm not a
0: big fan of, of studio, you know, interference like that. But in that particular case, having seen both, and maybe it's a, maybe it's just a case of, you know, I, I grew up with one of them, you know. So then to see the, the, the intended author, you know, the intended uh, uh, director vision, it just didn't work. Because the same things happened to me a couple of times now. I know another big example is um, the Donner Cut of Superman 2 is the mm-hmm. same type of thing with me. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up with the Lester one, so I'm used to that one. So then I go back and I and I see the the Donner one, and I love, I mean, Superman the movie by Donner is my favorite movie. I should love the Donner cut of Superman 2. I watched it and I was like, nah, I gotta be honest, I like the other one better, you know? So it was, uh, it was the same type of thing with, with Blade Runner. You know, I like the one that we got better. I, I saw the director one and I was like... Yeesh, you know, this this movie's kind of plotting you know without that narration in there. I can't, I don't remember the ending being different. Um I remember talk of that when at the time when it came out that he was really chafing against that tacked on ending, but I don't remember
2: the, the version that I went to see. It doesn't it doesn't it just takes out narration, that's all. Oh, okay. But the narrate but not having the narration changes the whole ending because
0: Oh, so you're saying it still has the same ending, except he he narrates does, they, that she's going to live.
2: That that was that was in the original. That was what the studio tacked on originally, right? And he hated that most of all. I got like it. the first time they did the re-release, he took out just that narration at the end where Harrison Ford was like, "She was a special replicant, replicant. You know, she didn't have right. a, a a death, you know, timer on her or something like that." Thing, he took yeah. that out, yeah, and and he. He hated that he, he wanted her to have an, you know to, to be sort of bittersweet and he also wanted there to be more question whether um, Decker was a, a, a replicant. So the, you know the, uh, that was one of the running themes in the movie is he wanted it to be like perhaps that Deckard was a, a replicant himself. and it sort of like the narration sort of took that aspect out of it. So that's hmm. why he wanted it gone. I don't know. I'd like to. I love that movie. I could watch it over and over again. I like the slow ones though. I like them plotting if they're done right. You know the the way I like them. That might be one and to that pull one out and,
0: and throw on the the commentary pile at some time. Because that I, might I, not know. be a
2: commentary one because it's a long movie. But it might be one that we you know we get a couple guests you know and right. uh, and uh, we all watch it and and talk about it. I I, I would really enjoy that. It'd
0: be worth a look back, because like I say, I I had super fond memories of it as a kid, but it's just, you know... It's
2: considered a classic.
0: Yeah, definitely. Next one's a personal classic for me, is uh, Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl. I must have watched that a million times on HBO.
2: It's great. It's, you know, it's, it's a minor Monty Python movie to me. Right. Because it's sort of, you know, it's rehashed stuff from the TV show, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. With with variations on it, but it's no like Life of Brian or or Holy Grail or you know something with a narrative or or meaning of life. But it's but you know I look on, at that Monty one a, it's still fun to watch. You know, I think that one's a, a perfect.
0: Uh, you could use it as like a primer for you know if you wanted to try to get somebody into
2: Monty Python. Right. That that and and uh, and now for something completely different. Yep. You know yeah. would pretty much would pretty much get you get you going on the tv show and then you could go to town from there
0: <laughs> next one's almost a textbook uh, definition of a bomb mega force
2: uh, oh that was chuck norris again too uh, right
0: uh you know is he in that movie i remember the ads i remember the toy they wanted this movie They're to be like the next the star Congress. wars yeah and it just it
2: was a video game bombed. and everything. No, yeah, this was...
0: had Barry Bostwick, Michael okay. Beck, and Henry Silver—the three that are listed here. I
2: don't. It just had to, the the guy on the in the ad look kind of like looks, he had the yeah, it does look
0: him. like him. On a budget of eighteen million, pulled in five point six million. Good job, Megaforce. And last up for uh, June nineteen eighty two, a
2: movie that I know that you are a big fan of, The Thing. Mm. And that's the one I was talking about that has tons of gore plus creepiness. You know, just the the dark, the old dark house creepiness. Awesome soundtrack. The, this um, by Ennio Morricone. Um, which, diabetes. It's got diabetes in it too. Yes. Oh yeah. You can. There's a. We have a. We already have a. There's a vault of startling monster horror tales of terror. Dedicated to this very movie from our John Carpenter run that we just recently finished, <laughs> which you should refer to because it's that I love that movie and Kurt Russell. <laughs> it's a Kurt Russell movie. Come on, a yeah, tough guy Kurt <laughs> Russell. Movie. That would be a movie I would imagine your dad would really like. Kurt Russell in that movie kind of reminds me of your dad. <laughs> With the, with the beard and tossing dynamite and stuff. Yeah, I could see that. Not that your dad used to toss dynamite, but I could see him doing it. So yeah, one of my all-time favorites. And Sorry, it was I found, that, While I was choking to death there for just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it, that was also a movie that, like, I don't know if it did too well in the box office, but I know the critics were, like, really hard on it for being gory and not you know, a, a letdown, and it's one of those movies that had to stand the test of time to be considered a classic. And now it, you know, it just got remade.
0: So it doesn't list here what the what the budget was, but the uh, the gross domestic was thirteen point seven, which doesn't sound like a lot. But you compare it to the times and the other movies on this mm-hmm. list, and that's that's not it might really be not pretty bad. good. Yeah, it's not bad compared to some of the other ones on there. But, uh, yeah, I, that's a movie I desperately need to watch again, because I haven't seen that in so long that I really don't remember it very well. It it's stands
2: go, up. Huh? It stands up, that's for sure. It, it stands the test of time. I'll even go so far as to say I'm not entirely
0: sure I've ever seen it start to finish. So, yeah, I definitely need to, to dig that one out and watch it. But uh, I'm trying to remember. I, I may be remembering my timeline wrong. But is that the first big like trying to break away from that Disney star image movie that that Russell did? Or, or wait, no. Uh, what you call it would be earlier than that. Escape, we, from, Escape New from New York. York. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. But yeah. Um, all right. So jumping back to the world of comics for June, June 1982. Big deal for comics. Um, Spider-Man, uh, an Amazing Spider-Man, learned the hard way that nothing can stop the Juggernaut. This was the the first part of that two-part story that's considered a classic <laughs> Spider-Man story. Oh, but believe me, I'll have more to talk about when we get to July <laughs> on that one. Galactus falls in the uh, Fantastic Four by John Byrne. That was a big deal when that happened. Full full-page splash when Galactus fell. I, that's that's still one of my favorite comic book moments ever. Fury of Firestorm began for uh, for DC and introduced me to that character. I'd seen him around in like DC Comics Presents or something like that before then, but this is when he he graduated, you know, to once again having his own title, and it was uh, Pat Broderick doing the art, just beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, so that was a good book. GI Joe by Marvel began June 1982. GI Joe number one, which is a big kind deal. of a big deal. Yeah. yeah was massive here's one that i know that you and i were really big into uh marvel Con- marvel superhero contest of champions number oh one. yeah that was a huge book too and really i mean 82 is really uh, to my recollection i think this was the year that i officially like began to like collect comics you know what i mean like I, th- at this point i was serious
2: Right, and right. So
0: this this book was like a... We were perfect. both kind
2: of annoying about comics
0: at this oh, point. Oh, yes. Yeah. But that book was a big deal because I was, I was always a DC boy. You know, always a DC boy. I really didn't know much about Marvel at all. You know, I really never dabbled much with their characters. Then all of a sudden, just at the time when I'm really starting to get into certain books like FF and Spider-Man and stuff like that, all of a sudden... Boom, you get Contest of Champions that gave you every friggin' buddy was in that book. I mean, everybody. Characters that you know we hadn't seen in years, characters we'd probably never see again. I mean, it was kind of like the Crisis on Infinite Earths of Marvel Comics at that time. I mean, anybody that was anybody was in that book. It was awesome and that uh, i really really enjoyed that's one that i would love for us to do a show on sometime together chris is contest of champions god i haven't read that since it yeah since it happened like get like me you and mike together to cover that i think that' mm. be awesome because that's god damn do i love that series it's so good um just wanted to make a brief mention of spectacular spider-man not not any specific issue so to speak just it, I, I didn't want to get to the end of this year and not mention that title because that was uh, kind of my gateway drug into Spider Man. Was uh, Spectacular Spider Man at this time was really really good stuff. The Silver Surfer one shot uh, was out by John Byrne, which uh, you know kind of introduced me to Silver Surfer. I mean, I knew him, I'd seen him around, but this was kind of you know where you, you kind of got his story so to speak, you know, because he was just the the solo deal in that book. Uh, Superman Family which used to be uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen before they folded all the uh, different Superman spin-off series like Lois Lane and stuff into one title the Superman Family folded with uh, issue number 222 in uh, June of 1982 the origin of Cyborg was finally revealed in uh, Tales of the New Teen Titans number 1 do you remember that it was a mini series four
2: issues I didn't see yeah i got them all when when i won um, one of those auctions. I oh. got all four of those autographed. Oh, that's right. Boltzmann. That's
0: right. Yeah. That's a great story. That's. A, I really always liked that. I mean, it, it's basically it's Steve Austin, but it's still pretty cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And wrapping up uh, June 82 in the world of comics, here's a book that I know that you and I were seriously excited for, and the results were kind of
2: mixed. Team America, number one. Oh, yeah, mixed. Yeah, they sure were mixed. <laughs> and just like they mixed up the Kool-Aid at Jonestown. <laughs> All right, so jumping back. Did you have anything else on, uh, on June 82? No, I think I'm good. All right. After Team America, I think I have to go purge or something. Ready to move right along. All right, so jumping oh, yeah.
0: back to the world of movies, we've got The Secret of Nim. Which, I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. Was that the first um,
2: Don Bluth breaking away from Disney movie? It was a Don Bluth movie. It was based on Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Right. And it was about animal, animals that were experiment animals.
1: Hmm.
2: I don't know if I've seen that all the way through. Yeah, me too. I it's, I've seen parts of it, and it's beautifully animated, and it's dark. It's a very serious kind of yeah. animation, but it was definitely Don Bluth.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I know it was him. I, it's just I'm trying to remember my Don Bluth timeline, and if this was the first thing he did after he he because he was one of Disney's like big deal animators, Pop guys. Yeah. And, and he all of a sudden he just up and left to form his own animation studio. And really, kind of left Disney in the lurch. And I want to say that this was the first thing from him on his own, but I I, I might I might be missing a movie in there somewhere. But uh, I've always had strong associations in my mind between that movie and uh, and the Black Cauldron. Black
2: Cauldron, yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, next one on the list is another uh, Disney movie. And you know dude we really ought to do a show on this one sometime. I can't believe we've never talked
2: about this which was uh, Tron. Yeah. And you know I've always Tron. We did a ma- we did the massive Tron show with um... <laughs> I know. I was being facetious. Oh. <laughs> but no, I know. We did
0: two massive Tron episodes. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? But yeah, we did. We had two epics. Well, it's funny because not long ago, somebody was like, dude, you guys had a, you know, not, when we first started Commentary Monthly Monday, one of the first pieces of feedback we got was, dude, you guys should do a commentary for Tron. It was like, uh, yeah. Uh... We did that about a year and a half ago. Dude, <laughs> where have you been? But, um, you know, I've always heard, you know, how poorly this movie did and everything. And, and this goes back to my question earlier is what, what do you label success because according to this, Tron was made on a. They book were hoping 17. it was going to be
2: Star Wars. Star Wars. That's, that's the
0: problem. Yeah, and see, I think Tron Legacy, I think suffered kind mm-hmm. of a parallel fate. Yep. because I think Tron Legacy, despite the fact that it raked in money, w- is looked at by Disney as a failure because it didn't meet expectations and I think that's kind of bogus I gotta be honest with you I think that there should be a huge disparity between you know this movie made money and you know we really wanted it to make this much money and it didn't so it's a failure that seems a little bit strange thinking to me you know
2: that's corporate thinking that's like like the business suits thinking they're like well we projected this with it and it's like well where'd you predict check that. Oh, we pulled it out with the ticker tape that comes out our butthole. You know right, I, yeah. What? Where, what? You know?
0: Exactly.
2: There's no algorithm to figure out how much your movie is going to make and if people are going to like it. There's just no way. You know?
0: you know. on a budget of 17 million, pulled in 26.9, so almost 20, almost 10 million dollars above its its cost. So I mean, not like a phenomenal success, but at the same rate, I mean. It made its money back plus some, so I, I'm kind of mystified by that reputation of, you know, well, it's a cult classic. Well, no, it it, it performed well. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, it's kind of odd. Anyway, this was the other movie I was talking about with my sister a while back, which was uh, I don't think I've ever actually sat through this movie, but she had the soundtrack to it, which was Six Pack that starred oh, God Hanny Rogers and it had this damn song in it i think the name of the song was six pack if i'm not mistaken and she must have played that thing a billion times and it was like oh my god i mean i just i, I wanted to just,
1: just
0: record or cassette whatever it was i'm surprised i didn't actually uh let's see moving along I, there's a list here of a bunch of movies i don't know what they are young doctors in love i think that might have been a comedy
2: it was a it was a hospital version of airplane. They tried ah, yes, to do the same sort of thing as airplane.
0: That's right. That's right. I do remember that now. You're right. Um, let's see, Summer Lovers, a midsummer night sex comedy. Woody Allen, pretty oh, good movie. Oh, okay. Yep. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas.
2: Is that the one that had Burt Reynolds and and uh, what's her oh, name?
1: Yeah. Oops,
0: Dolly Parton. Yeah. I was thinking it was the one that had Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone. What is that
2: movie? That's like Road, not Roadhouse, but it was some. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what about. I'm talking
0: about? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That yeah, you're right. It is the one with Burt Reynolds.
2: Though, here's one I know you liked: uh, World According to Garp. Yep, the, the that's where that was the first like time that people took Robin Williams seriously as an actor and. Pretty much, I don't know if it was his first movie, but when John Lithgow came into prominence,
1: mm-hmm.
2: played the whole played a transvestite in the movie, <laughs> transsexual, somebody getting the operation, you know, from male male to female, and and you know John John Lithgow dressed up in in a dress in a wig is just it's awesome, and he stole the movie too. He was awesome in it. He was a, a great character. And I, I was a big fan of the book. I'm reading a book by the same author right now, actually, John mm. Irving, one of my favorites. But, yeah, that that movie was a big hit, too, and people were very surprised that Robin Williams, they were just like, wow, Robin Williams, you know, plays a regular role in it, you know, he's, he's actually pretty good. <laughs> he can act.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's another one I'm not sure I've ever seen that start to finish because that was always the problem with with HBO back then was you know you you'd, you'd start a movie like and it you know it was already in progress you know what mm-hmm. I mean so you'd catch it from like the halfway point
2: or twenty minutes in or something yeah like that. so Garp wouldn't make much sense unless yeah. you watch it beginning to end it's a it's a bizarre movie it's it's, it's a great book the book was a huge bestseller. The the one scene I do
0: always remember from that though that I always got a kick out of that's always stuck with me is uh, where the plane cra- you know they're going to look at that house thinking about buying it and the plane crashes into the house and he's like we'll take it because you know mm-hmm. now it's disaster proofed you know it's, mm-hmm. like, I thought that
2: was I was really
0: you know it's very yeah. smart thinking you know
2: the odds of it getting hit by another plane are about the smallest <laughs> odds ever yeah. <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, let's see. Next on the list, I had to look this one up because it sounded familiar, but I didn't know what the hell it was. It's
2: called Zapped. It was a Scott Bayo movie. and that's Scott Bayo where that's he gets strong. telekinetic powers.
0: Oh. Like oh, so it's got to be like that uh It's like a, it's like a Chevy nutty Chevy professor
2: Chase. type movie. What was that Chevy Chase movie where he got telekinesis? That was a great movie. I don't know. This one, this one had Scott. It was basically Scott Bayo and... Um, Willie Ames, his best friend, you know that that ended up being his co-star in Charles in Charge. Ah, uh, okay. He was like, it was like they were they were basically like um, Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. You know, they were real best friends that <laughs> you know ended up in starring in movies together. You know, right? I think Scott Baio was like, oh, I'll get my friend Willie to be in the in the movies, and that was the first sort of like the two Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next one's the
0: challenge. I don't know what the hell that is. It only made 3.5 million so it couldn't have been too epic. All right here's uh, one of these days you know it's funny because before we got started, you know we were having this conversation you and I about you know negativity and stuff like that. I do <laughs> I do still have at least one classic rant type you know negative episode in me though. Which I still want to do a movie, uh, do a movie, do an episode rather talking about movies that I can't stand, you know, or or movies that you would literally have to like tie me to something to get me to watch them. This is one of them, an officer and a gentleman. I can't stand movies like this, like like you know. For one thing, I don't like Richard Gere. You know, I know it's mean, but, you know, if if he was to accidentally, you know, fall into like some big piece of machinery and get chewed up, I I wouldn't shed a tear. I got to be honest with you, because like pretty woman and all I just the guy
2: can't call his dog and make me believe it. I think he's a shit actor. I think he made one good movie and that was American. Was it American Gigolo? Gigolo? American Gigolo. Yeah.
0: Never seen it never good but yeah this movie came out and i remember oh my god it was it was especially painful when i was in the service because there was a number Uh, of guys that would always bring military movies to the facility to watch you know on the on the vcr and it was always the same damn movies it was officer and a gentleman and top gun and uh iron eagle and it was like oh my god do i have to sit through this shit again you know, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. just one of those movies where you would think that guys that were in the military would be able to look at these movies and just. Go, They'd want to see like porkies or something. Yeah. you know,
2: and and it's horseshit. And why do I want to watch that? I'm living that right, right now. Exactly. You know, hey, let's watch a movie about base. On right, let's watch uh, Full Metal Jacket.
0: Right. Exactly. Oh, that was another one I had to sit through a million times. Um. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Love Although that there, there was one moment, there is one moment that I did like in that movie. Though was the the part where he's trying to prove himself to uh... oh, what was that guy's name? As such he's always oh, he plays an asshole. That was his drill sergeant because I think he won a yeah, Oscar or something. He, for that, that was didn't he? that was
2: his bi- first big bro, Arlie Ermey.
0: Is that his, his name? Drill
2: sergeant Arlie Ermey. No, 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 yeah. no,
0: not 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 uh, a not not uh, Full Metal Jacket. No, I'm talking back about. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr., that's his name. Oh, I didn't oh, see that movie. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, one moment you know. in that where, where uh, he, he's trying to break him. And uh, and Gear breaks down and starts crying. And he says,
1: I got nowhere else to go. I
0: always kind of like that. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving swiftly along, we got uh, Forced Vengeance. This sounds like a chop flick. What is this? Let's. Oh, sure enough, martial arts. That's another Chuck Norris flick. okay that's all I need to know about that. <laughs> things are tough all over. Is that a Cheech and Chong movie? Yeah
2: man. <laughs> it's, I, 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 yeah man that's that, things are tough all over is pretty good actually. Mm-hmm. things are tough all uh, if I recall right, things are tough all over is where they start out working in a they're working in a car wash for two Arabic guys. And there's a lot of herpes jokes because it, they mispronounce hair. Do you like my hairpiece? <laughs> yeah, I just got some new hairpiece. Really, you know. And yeah, it's it's got a great scene where they accidentally are in a, a porno movie, and then they go into the into the theater to see it, and you see the screen with the porno movie on it, but it's like. It's like one of those things where you see the screen sort of out of focus, but it's basically just like close-ups of like Cheech and Chong's lips and their elbows and (laughs) and stuff like that, and it looks so obscene. But it's all just you know like eyes you know eyes eyes and ears and hair and stuff. But you know it's supposed to be a porn movie. That was probably I think the last great um, Cheech and Chong movie, and that's the one. That has I just put a video of it when I was apologizing to Mike Bailey for <laughs> photoshopping him into a Nirvana album of that I think that's the one with Pee-Wee where he goes, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry I took <laughs> your money. I'm I'm sorry, she's sorry, we're all sorry. I'm not sorry, <laughs> I'm not I think that's also the one where he was going, Cheeseburger <laughs> and then it was pretty much all downhill for Cheech and Chong after that. Ah, for a while, yeah. Uh
0: yeah. Let's
2: see, well, we round up July
0: with uh, with Night Shift, which uh, is another one I am not sure I've ever seen it. Ron start Howard to finish. yeah it was a Ronnie Howard movie
1: mm-hmm,
2: with yep. Michael Keaton. That was a good movie. Uh, that was a good movie. I think uh, Henry Winkler was in it, even. yeah, yeah I think so.
0: I just I had it pulled up here. So let's see. They were had, working uh, the night shift
2: at a morgue and they yep. were running hookers out of it.
0: Henry Winkler, Ron Howard, uh, Michael Keaton, Shelley Long, Clint Howard made an appearance, and Kevin Costner was in it apparently. Oh, awesome. Hmm. <laughs> 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 All right, so jumping over to the world of comics for July 1982, we got uh, Spider-Man versus Eli Nutter on the cover of uh, Amazing Spider-Man, number 230. Now, this was actually part two of the Juggernaut storyline, but uh, if you listen to uh, our Eli Nutter episode, that uh, my Eli Nutter joke will make a lot more sense to you. Yes, Avengers number 221, one of my all-time favorite comic book covers because it's the one that says... Uh, Who Will Be the New Avengers? Pick 2. And it was just a red Oh, it was like I...
2: squares. Almost. Yeah,
0: and yeah, Rom I, I... was one of them. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, Rom's going to be an Rom. Avenger. Yeah, it didn't happen. But... No way, yeah. Superman meets He-Man and the Masters of the Universe in DC Comics Presents. Frankie Ray becomes the Herald of Galactus in fantasy. I remember Four. that. Yeah, it was a big deal when that happened. Luke Skywalker accidentally kills Shira Bry in the pages of Marvel Star Wars. Whoops! And the uncanny X Men face Dracula by uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, and that's still awesome. my favorite awesome. X Men story. Yes, great, great stuff. All right, we are more than halfway through the year now. We got. Uh, we're moving into August. We got The Last American Virgin. I don't know how we got away with
2: watching that on HBO, but I know that we mm-hmm. did see that movie. Yep. yep. It had some boobs in it. It yeah, also had yeah. Dr. Doctor Dirty. Yes. And uh, singing dirty songs in a cantina in Mexico. Aye, <laughs> aye, ay, ay ay! Your mother don't wipe, she drip dries. <laughs> <laughs> Ay 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 ay! Your mother does deep knee bends over fire hydrants. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually met Doctor Dirty. I've met and hung out with Doctor Dirty with Pisspot the Rabbit and seen one of his concerts. Filthy, filthy, filthy man! <laughs> Ooh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, a classic, dude. I'm. I ought to fire up my bong and tribute to this one. <laughs> This one was, they used to play this at midnight when they had midnight movies in Watertown and we used to go to watch it. Was it it. you and
0: I that went to see it together? I think
2: you and I actually did go to see it it was a double, they used to play it as a double feature with uh, Led Zeppelin um, Uh,
0: Yeah, it was you and I that went to see it then because I I know I had to sit through uh,
2: You had to sit through The Song Remains the Same first uh, Which is, if you're not a Led Zeppelin fan even if you are a Led Zeppelin fan, it ain't the greatest concert in the world. It's got some long stretches in it
0: it it that was painful because I love Zeppelin, but yeah, that
2: I'm not. See, I'm just not a concert. You might like me. it. You might like it better now because uh, some of the fantasy sequences in it are really funny and cheesy. But yeah, it's like not one of the. You know, Led Zeppelin were great and they did some of the most epic concerts ever. The one they filmed for this weren't one of them. The it wasn't bad, but it was. Meh.
0: The uh, rendition
2: of Moby Dick that's in that though is awesome. That's it's- the one that starts out and now Moby Dick Dick yep. Dick 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 that's what that well that would that that's a part that reminds me John Bottom reminds me of your dad. And that's the in the, like three quarters of the Moby Dick, it's got all the footage of John Bottom with his muscle cars peeling him out on the test track and stuff. So your dad right. probably would have loved that part. Right. Next one was the pirate movie, which all
0: I can remember about that is it has Christy McNichol in it. And I always had the feeling that it was trying a little too
2: hard to be Blue Lagoon. They were trying to be the – it was an adaptation of the play The Pirates of Penzance. Right. And it was a huge flop and critical – got dragged through the gutters. <laughs> I remember. It was also – I remember it was made into a photo novel. <laughs> Oh, I remember geez. seeing the photo novel ones back in those days. We got yeah.
0: The Nest. I don't know what that is. The Soldier. Mm. Friday the 13th Part 3. 3D. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh I've yeah. only ever seen one of those, and I don't even know which one it was. It might have been that one. I have no idea. Oh, you know what? I do know which one it was. It's whichever one ends with um, one of the Corys becoming Jason at the end of the movie.
2: Oh, God. That's, like, further on down the line, Yeah, I think. I think that's, like, four or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Luke Eddie <Giaconetti> would know. <laughs> Hair metal hero, they'd know.
0: All right. Next one up was one that I wish... I had been a little bit older to truly appreciate the phenomenon that this movie was. I mean, I've seen it. I thought it was okay, but it was a big, big deal for kids that were a few years older than us, and that was Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
2: Yeah, I love that, that movie. Uh, that mo- uh, I love that movie. I love it, love it, love it. Not, not just for Phoebe Kate's nudity and... Um, what is it, I can't remember the, Jennifer something is is a little naked in it too, but it just, I wasn't that age, you you and I weren't that age, and it was set in California, but they were real teenagers, and it had the iconic Sean Penn as a stoner, and it had, you know, with his his um his teacher, Mr. Hand, who is my favorite Martian, right, Ray Walston, and, yeah, yeah, and their and their whole their whole you know battle for dominance of the classroom. It was just it was a great it was one of those movies that also used the music of the time, right. <laughs> it was based on a uh, article written for Rolling Stone magazine, and. That director ended up becoming like he did Vanilla Sky, he did he's he's a really that good a woman director. directed that movie. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it, maybe I'm may, or... Yeah, it is. Amy it Heckerling? Is. Amy, yeah. Amy yeah. Heckerling. Heckerling. Okay. Yeah. That's the woman that was friends with my film teacher and they were in a biker movie together. Ah. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting her mixed up with the guy who directed um, Vanilla Sky and those movies this and it, almost famous says here that this was scored by danny elfman is that right i never knew parts that. of it
0: parts of it because wow. well,
2: that was when he was he it was still probably going more going like, boingo, like going, go going right? boingo yeah. yeah yeah he was Man, there's a lot of sound
0: shitload of stars i mean i remembered like sean penn oh. and stuff but yeah it had nick cage uh Jennifer Jason Lee, I think, is who Jennifer Jason of. Lee yeah. is
2: the is is naked in it. It's is she got
0: on uh, that has ends up having an abortion in that movie? Yes. Oh, I yes. think I need
2: to dig this movie out and watch it again. It has um it has Jud Judd Nelson as Judge the Reinhold. Doofy, Judge, Judge Reinhold, yeah. that's who. Judge Reinhold is the doofy brother who works at the like burger place and thinks he's really cool and is a total tool. It's it's an awesome, awesome, awesome mm-hmm. movie. It's got the great scene where the kids crash. The, the the kids are out in the one kid's brother's car. And he's like the big black football player. And they total his car. That Forrest Whitaker? It was Forrest Whitaker. That's right. And and they're like... He's he's like... Oh, my brother's gonna fuck... We're fucked. He's gonna fuck us. My brother's gonna kill us. And he's like, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna fuck us? Or he's gonna, first he's gonna fuck us. Then he's gonna kill us. And they're like, okay, well, we, let's do a plan. And they painted the car up to make it look like the opposing football team had trashed his car and he's like standing there just like and starts just tearing the football the other team apart, you know, in the in the big game. That movie. Oh. Yeah, you should definitely check it out again. It's it's got some great humor in it. And the and the and the actors are real teenagers in it. They were actually teenagers at the time, so it doesn't have that thirty year old, you know, actor playing a a 15 year old feel to it you know they're actually gawky and kind of (laughs) goofy classic a classic
0: next is the tempest which i don't remember this movie at all do you remember that movie
2: i do um just as as a title okay uh, and then, I, you know,
0: it wasn't until, literally until doing this show and looking at this list, I never, ever realized, I never would have believed that uh, if you could see what I hear and the Beastmaster came out in the same year within
2: a few months of each other? I am Dar. I seek the <laughs> Temple of Ar. And that movie was kind of a sleeper hit, but then it turned into that T V show that was went for years. Oh, I never sequels.
0: knew. about oh, And I, there yes. were sequels. There, oh yeah, there was a- I saw the first sequel and it was shit. Oh yeah. And that's all I was aware that there was was the one sequel. I didn't realize there was more
2: than that. One of one of my favorite directors, Bob Coscarelli, who did Phantasm. Hmm. Did did the Beastmaster and later went on to do um Bubba Hotep, another masterpiece. I still
0: need to see that.
2: I still. Oh, you would love it. it. It's. Oh awesome. shit! I forgot the Jan John Amos is in that movie. He played Seth, that
0: big friggin' dude in that movie. He's a badass in that. I completely forgot he was in that movie. Man, this—that's a movie that I wouldn't mind digging out again and, and checking out in the future. Is the Beastmaster? Damn, I haven't
2: seen that movie in forever. It's cheesy, but it's entertaining. Yeah, it's a good it was. Movie. I mean, it's I, a di- different kind of sword and sorcerer. He took a different tack on sword and sorcery.
0: What's funny with that movie is I think we fully realized at the time that that movie was super cheesy, which didn't happen a lot of the time. A lot of times we just embraced him as, "Hey, this is great," you know, and then or, or we
2: were like, "Oh, this is shit," but this one we were <laughs> actually enjoying the cheesiness of it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Sciarrelli's little- a good director, though. He's not. He's a smart guy. So he, you know, there's some, you know. There's always something to whatever he does, right. even if it fails. Uh, let's see.
0: Rounding out the month, we've got Class of 1984. Not a clue.
2: That was, I think, McDowell was was McDowell in there, but it, it was about a class. It was about a class of students. Like, I think it was set like, Dally, yeah. the future. It was set in the future. You know, just a few years in the future, where kids were running wild and the and he ends up having to like basically battle a bunch of tough thugs in his class it's a bunch of thugs <laughs> taken over it was it was a gritty it was a good movie it was a gritty you know down and dirty battle at the end we got homework
0: and Jekyll and Hyde together again which was a big old flop mm-hmm. i remember and that's it for august jumping back to uh, the world of comics here Superman got ripped in two in action number uh, 534 one of my favorite stories of that era where uh, Superman actually got split into two physical beings each with like select powers uh, you know like one of them would have you know be able to fly the other one would have x-ray vision you know the other one would have heat vision the other one would have ice breath you know that sort of thing so it was really cool you know greatly depowered him and made two Superman out of them, That was a really good story. The Great Darkness Saga began in Legion of Superheroes, which is still, you know, probably the premier Legion story. And the Legion Annual uh, Number One came out, and that was a Keith Giffen book as well, and uh, actually made Computo a a name and a villain to be feared. You know, after being kind of a joke for you know all those years, that was a badass story. Remember that one? No, where Computo possessed. It was this this little black kid uh, who eventually would become Invisible, la- the new Invisible Lad. His sister got possessed by Computo, and it was very much like an Exorcist type of possession, and was just mopping the floor with a legion. But it was it was like seriously creepy. I mean, it was a really really good story. Uh. Night Force by DC tried to uh, kind of recapture the lightning uh, with, of uh, Tomb of Dracula by reteaming uh, Marv Wolfman and uh, Gene Colan and didn't quite pull it off. We got the origin of uh, Changeling or Beast Boy. Take your pick in um, that Tales of the New Teen Tales Titans Tales of book. the New Teen Titans, yeah. And here's a book I know you'll remember. What If, number 34, the all-comedy
2: issue. Yes, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was a really, really good book. They had some great Hat gags in that. The Human Torch gassing up his car.
1: <laughs>
2: I remember one of them. That was a really good book. So let's
0: see. I'm going to jump back to... Where are we at now? We're at September.
2: We're in the fall. Uh, Another yeah. wave of where they put... This is where they put out like a lot of the classier movies traditionally.
0: Yeah. And you know what? There's not a single movie on this list that I think I've seen. So stop me when I get to something. We okay, got, we got the Incubus, the Concrete Jungle, Inchon. I don't have
2: no idea what the hell that is. I've heard of Inchon, but I'm not. I don't remember what it is. Hamlet, not Hamlet, but Hamlet. Hamlet, no. <laughs> Eating
0: Raul. Now I remember hearing about that because there was a big stink.
2: Classic. About it when it came it's out. an awesome, awesome. You should see it. You a. You'll probably fall in love with Mary Warrenov. <laughs> Mary Warrenov's beautiful. And you get to see her naked in it. It's Paul Bartel and Paul Bartel directed it, in Mary Warrenoff, and they play a very uptight couple. He's kind of a nebbishy nerdy guy, and she's a uh, um, she's a bombshell in the Kathleen Turner mold. And uh, they live in us in a singles like living community, and there's all these swingers having parties there. And one of the swingers like comes into their apartment and like is trying to like molest him and is drunk and they beat him over the head with a frying pan and kill him. And they find out that he's got shitloads of money on him. So they start putting singles ads and luring these guys in and killing them for their money. It's a comedy. And then right. the, I think I think the plumber, this guy named Raul, finds out about their plan. And so he starts disposing of the bodies to a, like a dog food plant or a, <laughs> a meat packing plant, and he uh, all the while he's sort of blackmailing him. It's a great, great, great comedy. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. <laughs> I remember Siskel and Ebert made a big fuss about how good it was.
0: I remember the ads for it, but I never have seen it.
1: We've he got.
0: Oh, one of the great action stars of all time, Luciano Pavarotti, starred in Mm. uh, Yes, Giorgio.
2: Ah, yes. Awesome.
0: (laughs) And rounding out the month, Amityville 2, The Possession, which, can you believe Uh. this shit made $11.3 million? How did that That piece of shit make any money? It
2: was terrible, too.
0: It was. I mean, the worst part is that there was at least one more movie, because I remember Amity Mm 3 was in 3D. 3D, yep. God. It must have just been off the success of the first. When the
2: Amity 3D came out, my mother's boss, Mr. Duffany, remember him? Mm-hmm. He was, he was trying to buy that house. And he and he's like, if I buy this house, do you want to be, you know, he's like, you can live down there for the summer and be the housekeeper. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I there, there was actually a possibility back in those days that I would have been living in the Amityville house. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I, I didn't believe. You know, they they pretty debunked the um, the author of that book, Jay Anson, like pretty quickly. <laughs> A murder did take place in the house. That's about all that's really like <laughs> real about that whole story. Anyway, so for yeah, comics, and oh, I'm sorry. So oh, for, go ahead.
0: <laughs> so for comics in September, we've got. Uh, DC Comics presents Annual Number no. One, which uh, Mike Bailey and I did a, an episode about way back when. That's the one that has uh, the Earth One and the Earth Two Superman team up together by uh, Rich Buckler. Man, that was a that's a really really good book, and I think that was my introduction to the character Ultraman, who is basically the evil Superman of Earth Three. Really really good book though. Hercules, number one, by Bob Layton came out. Awesome. Man, yeah, we've, we've covered that. Um, the Thing teams up with Batman? Maybe, on the cover of uh, Marvel 2-in-1, number 91. Do
2: you remember that? I don't remember that at all. One of
0: the, one of the best gag covers ever. It has The Thing, and he's, he's cornered up against a brick wall. And there's a giant shadow standing over him that looks like Batman's cowl. And it just says, you know, you know how on the cover of Marvel 2 and what it will always say, like, the thing and, you know, and it would name the other character. And this one, I can't remember what it says. It says the thing and I can't remember who it says, but the thing himself is looking and going, you know, he's doing the classic. No, it can't be not you. And you know damn well it's not Batman, but it's right. drawn to look like it's Batman. And it's really, really cool. It turns out I think it's the Sphinx is who he actually teams up with. But it's a great gag cover. You know They were, they were totally able to pull it off because the Sphinx headgear does look like Batman in profile. It's pretty cool. And here's one I know you were excited about. Wolverine number no. one
2: by Frank. Oh, Miller. yeah. Yeah. I remember that being a big, big deal. I bought that off the stands.
0: <laughs> you still have that? Uh-huh.
2: I only have number one. I don't have the rest, the, the other three. I wish I did. <laughs> that was a great series. To this day, I still lack an issue of that, and I'm not sure which one it
0: is. It's either three or four. I'm not sure. I, I still have never read it because I'm still waiting to get that elusive missing <laughs> issue. Yeah. All right, so going back to the world of movies, going into October now, we've got Sorceress? No idea. No idea. Time Walker, which sounds familiar, but I don't I can't play let me see. I'm trying to play. It was, it up an, it
2: right was an American Indian story, if I recall right. okay, yes, yes, you're right. I think I do remember that now.
0: Split Image I the Jury My Favorite Year. That one sounds familiar too, but that, I'm not sure. Well, that what was it, a
2: very good movie that had um Oh one of the great drunk actors british oh peter o'toole yeah peter o'toole playing a washed up peter o'toole and this and it was about a kid who had to basically wrangle him you know and keep him from getting too drunk on the set it was awesome it's a great movie peter o'toole is fantastic in it
0: we got looking to get out
2: the fabulous stains Yep, that's a underground punk rock movie. Okay. I used to play that on USA Night Flight all the time. Love Child. Here we go. Now, I did not
0: see this movie in the theater. I'm not sure when I first saw it. My parents went to see this. I remember them going on a, on a date night, which was kind of rare for them to go, just the two of them on a date night but they went out and they saw I remember them seeing it together and I remember my father just raving about it and that was first blood
2: awesome movie
0: I don't know when I eventually first saw it but this is one of my absolute favorite movies but I know I didn't see it in the theater I was far too young for my parents to let me
2: see it but uh damn I loved that that, that was an HBO one for me too but that yeah. was yeah that was a gritty and it was also like some pretty damn good acting by Sylvester Stallone oh hell yeah but this is one of those
0: movies that pains me that
2: the it shit into sequels what it did.
0: Have, have so diluted the original to a point right. where I think people forget because I'll I bet you anything that as people are listening to this episode and I mentioned that movie I bet you at least one person out there is like ugh but no First Blood is a damn good movie It's oh, yeah. it, it, the shame of it is is that it had such complete shit sequels that it just retroactively diluted that movie to where people think that they all sucked, but they didn't. I mean, the After first the first movie, really Rambo
2: good. became a cartoon character. Cartoon? The first, yeah, The first movie, it's a gritty character study of a Vietnam veteran who's just treated like shit and goes nuts, you know? That movie is eminently quotable. There are
0: so many great lines in that movie. I love where... Uh, Oh, the the he plays like the the wide eyed young kid in it, but now he's on that CSI Miami, I think. Mm-hmm. What is that guy's name? I can't think yeah, of his I... name. You know who I mean, the redhead guy. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, he's he's the the kid in this one. One of the cops. There's a great moment where uh, where Stallone, you know, they've they've locked him up in the in the redneck jail and all that, and he's kind of starting to lose it. And that kid goes, "Can't you see this guy's crazy?" And then the redneck guy. Can't you see? I don't give a shit. I just love that <laughs> It's a great
2: line. But
0: I mean, it's, it does. It's got some really, really good lines and great. And I mean, ah, uh, oh, damn! I got to open up this window because I can't remember the guy's name. But the the Colonel Troutman, Richard Crenna, Richard. Yes, Crenna. Oh,
2: man, classic character actor.
0: God didn't create Rambo. I did. You know, it's just a lot of stuff. Oh, I love the lines in that movie. He's great. He goes on his rant. You know, After they think they've killed Rambo, he goes on that great rant and he goes... Yep. Certain
1: vagrancy,
2: wasn't it? That's going to look real good on his gravestone at Arlington. Here lies John Rambo, winner of the Congressional Medal of Honor. Survivor of countless
0: incursions behind enemy lines. Kill for vagrancy in Jerkwater, USA. Now, don't give me any of that crap, Troutman. You think Rambo was the only guy who had a tough time in Vietnam? He killed a police officer for Christ's sake! you goddamn lucky
1: he didn't kill all of
0: you. And just this great rant. I just, I every time I watch that, I, it's just one of those fist pumping movies where I'm like, hell yeah, you tell him there, Colonel Trump <laughs> I
1: love that movie.
0: <laughs> that would be one that I really would not mind uh, digging out and, and doing a show for sometime. Mm-hmm. That could be a lot of fun. Uh, I think this is the only Halloween movie I've ever seen, and my understanding is it's the
1: shittest one. Halloween <laughs> 3. Happy, <laughs> happy the-
2: Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, silver shamrock. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. There is one good moment in that entire movie, and it's when the robots pull that guy's head off. That part was cool. The rest of that movie One
2: good moment? Oh, my God. The little kids' faces get turned into spiders and worms. Come on. Oh, I don't remember that. The, 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 the evil pagan cult is making Halloween masks, and when the TV pumps out the subliminal messages, and mask's like... Trigger something that turned little kids' faces Into spiders and bugs
0: Is it's that awesome. not the plot of like some Like Batman
2: scarecrow story Or something? Probably Probably uh, but you know I mean that was, that was when they were trying to swing Halloween away from Michael Myers And right. they decided it wasn't a good idea They yeah, thought well we could just idea. do a whole whole bunch of halloween themed movies with different horror but they did work actually the pagan cult into the michael myers stories i've heard from luke and hero to um not very successful at least uh, they don't speak of those movies too fondly
0: (laughs) (laughs) i have tried unsuccessfully to block that movie from my memory because it starred that guy who was in a lot of movies from this era and he looks like Chuck Norris's like porn star brother.
2: You know? Who yeah, yeah, about? he was yeah, he was just a, like a third-rate leading guy. Yeah.
0: Right.
2: And I, yeah, yeah, I don't
0: know what the hell his name is, but he was in a bunch of shit movies like this, but he had the porn stash and all that.
2: 82 is a bad the only sequel so far that's been worth a shit that we've we've covered has been Star Trek 2. All the sequels have been just terrible so far. <laughs> for, uh, oh, you're for forgetting TV. Mad Max though, or you know. Oh, that's true. Road the Road Warrior. Warrior. But yeah. you know,
0: I and a lot. You know,
2: exactly. What's funny
0: it's, is on this list. It lists it as Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior, but that, in America, that's not what it was called. Not what it was, it was simply The Road Warrior, and I don't consider The Road Warrior a sequel. I never have. You know, maybe that's just my you know ugly american or whatever but i just don't i mean because when i discovered that movie it was simply the road where you didn't need anything else no, i've not no. heard of mad max you know i mean that's a movie you can just pick up watch enjoy you don't need a, a prequel you don't need a sequel you don't need anything else it, it stands on its own so Whew, i don't know where that came from but anyway <laughs> you know this next movie i don't think i've ever seen it but I have the soundtrack. the soundtrack's by John Williams, and you know why it's a really good soundtrack. I have a, a feeling though that the movie probably doesn't hold up to the how good the soundtrack is. It's a uh, Mon senior, which was another uh Christopher streets, Reeve, right? uh, vehicle yeah and it also i has, don't, I uh, don't
2: remember what what the word was on that movie.
0: I, I've never heard anything about it one way or the other. I know it had something to do with he's a priest. Is all I know. He's a about priest,
2: it. and he gets someone pregnant, or something, or oh, he gets oh, involved okay. with a woman, or something like that. Yeah.
0: It's got Genevieve uh, Bujold. Bujold. is she the one that was supposed to play um, Janeway in Star Trek, and then she bailed out? I after, think like, so.
2: I think so. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's all I know about that. But it does have a really, really good John Williams uh, score to that one. Jinxed. I don't think I remember this movie.
2: I oh, can okay. sort of see the poster, but it was a screwball comedy of some it, sort. It ha- yeah, it is. It's a comedy, and it has
0: one of my box office poison people in it, Bette Midler.
2: Oh, so uh, okay. I've
0: seen it. I can't stand that bitch. <laughs> uh, the Sender? Don't know that one.
2: That's a, It's a psychic horror movie. Um, low, low budget National Lampoon's Class Reunion. I don't remember that one. It was a really bad serial killer. Somebody was killing off members of a class reunion. The serial killer had a smiley face. He looked in a bag. He sort of looked like the unknown comic with a smiley face (laughs) on a bag, I think.
0: And here's a movie that I just had my friend Tor uh, send me through the Internet today just because I want to see if it's as good as I remember it to be. It came
2: from Hollywood. Do you remember this movie? Yes, it had like John Candy and yeah. a bunch of people. Do- it was just bad movie clips with a lot of SCTV sort of people yep. doing little links in between them. It was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't like side splittingly hilarious, but it was a good movie. I remember they used to play that on HBO a lot yeah. too.
0: The the one scene I've always remembered from that movie is the scene where Cheech and Chong are sitting in the theater watching clips. And they see a clip from uh, the 50-foot woman, and uh, Cheech goes, you know, they're eating a sub. They're eating, like, this giant submarine sandwich. And uh, Cheech goes, hey, 50-foot woman, I got something for you, man. That's so <laughs> one part of that movie I always <laughs> remember. You know what? I, I actually don't do a bad Cheech Marin. I never knew no, that. No, you before. don't. <laughs> uh, so jumping back to the world of comics. Uh, Let's see, October, we've got... uh, Oh, the Crisis on Earth Prime kicks off in uh, JLA number 207. You can hear Mike Bailey and I talk about that on some old episode of Tales of the JSA. That was actually a really, really good story. Uh, Here's one I know you'll remember, Chris. Marvel 2-in-1 Annual number 7. That's that story where the champion comes to Earth and challenges Earth superheroes to a boxing match and beats the living shit out of The Thing, remember? The
2: Thing, yeah. He gets yeah. he goes all Adrian,
0: Adrian, at the end. That is a great comic. It's stupid as hell, but it's a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. And he cheats like a bastard, too. That's the bad thing about that story, because
2: I remember... Well, because the the odds are... It's basically you can't win. It was like the, everything was slanted against him, so he was right. like screw this i'm gonna cheat and cheat and cheat and i'm just gonna let you know i'm gonna i'm gonna show off my heart you know it's like no no
0: i mean i mean the champion cheats though because he calls together like all of the most powerful characters and i remember at least two of them he he dismisses and that's the hulk because he refused to he refused to fight a mindless animal or something like that is what he says so he sends the hulk back which is bullshit
1: yeah, I he refused was scared to, to fight lose. Him. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Hell, who wouldn't be? And yeah, then the I, other one was, uh, was Thor. He refused to fight Thor because that was at a time when Thor still had the thing where if he let go of his hammer for more than 60 seconds, he'd turn back to Don Blake. So the champion refused to fight him because he wasn't going to allow him to have his, his hammer in the ring. And I thought, well, that's bullshit. <laughs> you know, have him tape it to his back or something, you know? But uh, but yeah, it's a, it is a great story because he he fights several people before he gets to the thing, and he just beats the shit out of them. It's great. It's a really good story. Uh, here's another one. I know you remember Ms. Mystic number one. Uh huh. Which Neil I, Adams? Yeah, I always liked her. And then I personally discovered uh, the new Teen Titans with uh, number twenty four of their uh, of their series because. That issue, as soon as you open the front cover, right on the front, you know, the front page, beautiful splash, Superman by George Perez, and it, it was Superman uh, was on the JLA satellite. The teen, the teen Titans go to see him because they're about to go off into space. And I think they wanted to like borrow a spaceship or something, but it was great because it crossed over with uh, with the story that uh, was being written in the Superman comics at the time, where this was one of the half Supermen. So I always liked that. I always thought that was really cool. And that was October, so we're almost wrapped up here. We'll go back to uh, November, back to movies. So November November we've got... uh, Here's a movie I remember vaguely, The Man
2: from Snowy River. That was one that I thought remembered that you were like, that was a really good movie. It caught on HBO. It was about about horses is all I remember. It was like Australian. Yeah, I think so. It was set in Australia. And I remember you going... This looks like a really stupid movie, but I watched it the other day and it was really good. And I always remembered that.
0: The two things I remember most about that is that it has Captain there's whips in it, in it too, and whips. Yeah, they had those awesome whips because, like, the stock or whatever you know, the the mm. the handheld part was massive. I mean, it was like
2: they they weren't like they're like buggy whips. Yeah, they were like buggy whips. But I were- have one of those. Oh, do you By really? Yeah, I got one oh. of those from my dad's estates in my garage right now. I would love to give a give a whirl with that thing. I think that'd be great. I'd really like to to try one of
0: those out. Because
2: mostly for making noise, it makes noise really good. Right. Well, it was cool because
0: it, it it is you know what you said is it, it's a it's basically it's a buggy whip in design, but then the overlay and and the function of it is like uh like a classic bullwhip. Mm-hmm. So it's like a combination of the two, and it really looked cool because it was basically like an Indiana Jones whip, but with this massive stock on it. And it was really right. cool. But yeah, I love I I, re- I remember really enjoying the look and and feel of that movie. I don't remember shit about what it was about, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that that'd be one to dig out again and watch someday if I you know if it's ever on TV or something like that. Um. Five days, one summer. I don't remember that one. I don't remember that at
2: all. Uh, the missionary sounds dirty. It's a Michael Palin movie. Hmm. Is it a he's, comedy? He's, it's a priest, and he has to somehow. Yes, it's a comedy. He ends up. He ends up running a brothel. He ends up like going <laughs> to reform like these girls at a brothel, and they like totally like seduce him. It's a sort of it's, but it's a very. It's got a little nudity in it, but it's a very like sort of mild. It's a like milder Britishy Monty Python-y type of movie, but it's not as outrageous as Monty Python. But it's good. It's a funny mm-hmm. movie. Here's one I was very surprised to find on this list because
0: I thought it was later. Creep Show.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: George Romero.
0: Yeah. Didn't see it at the theater, but I discovered it on HBO, and I really dig this movie.
2: I want my cake, but here ya. Oh, there's had in yeah. it.
0: The, I mean, each. What, what was really great about this is that each of the stories in them were really, really good. You know, because you had the the Father's Day. Let me. What was it? it was Father's Day? The lonesome the death of jo- Jordy Verrill was that his name? Yeah, that was oh. actually Stephen King that Stephen played King. him in that part too. Oh, Jordy, you done fucked
2: up this time. <laughs> Had to go put your hand in that meteor shit. What were the other stories in there? It was man? the one with Ted Danson as the as the guy yes. who was che- that got caught cheating with the girl and got buried up to his neck. Leslie Nielsen was the bad guy. That's right, that's right. He plays a great, crazy bastard,
0: too, in that. I mean, he he's nutty as a fruitcake in that. Um... Damn, it feels like I'm forgetting at least one more it story. It seems like there's one more, yeah, yeah, but I
2: can't remember. Oh, it's The Crate. <laughs> yes! The crate.
0: Yes! <laughs> that was a good one, too, because it's uh, uh, Adrian Barbeau just playing a complete yep. bitch.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of the first movies where they had one of those weird fantasy sequences where he just blows her brains out in front of a tree. Yes! And then it cuts back and he just sort of snaps out of it. And that's gotten that's gotten played into the ground, you know. You're right. In the, in, the, in the intervening years, but that was like that was like one of the the first time I remember that happening in a movie, and it sort of.
0: You're right, and it's it was, funny it was people don't jo- Yeah,
2: yeah, George Romero, man.
0: Yeah, that was a great. Way, he's way <laughs>
2: underestimated as a director.
0: It really, really captured the feel of a, of an EC comic. I mean that it was it basically was a love letter to the EC. Com- it was
2: cheesy. It was cheesy yeah. and fun and gory and and yeah. It, and it had the whole story holding it together with the kid getting his comics thrown out, you know, by his dad and then getting his revenge. I can't remember who scores that movie, but that movie has a really good and creepy uh score to it i I just comic adaptation by bernie wrightson and all the art that's in the animation is all based on bernie wrightson yeah
0: i have that i actually have the graphic novel of that and it's really neat Mm -hmm. oh let's see white dog i don't know what the hell that is they call me bruce and i
2: remember this movie it was a guy who made movies who looked just like Bruce Lee yeah. and he was kind of an incompetent filmmaker but it was kind of a charming little weird film but he made like five of them and overdid it type thing
1: And it was felt- all about
2: him being mistaken for Bruce Lee. It always felt to me like, like somebody had taken
0: that that what i always felt was the worst section of kentucky fried movie and made a full oh, movie out of it have
2: yeah. you ever seen if you see if you see the movie that the actual bruce lee movie that that's a parody of it all of a sudden becomes the best part of the kentucky fried movie oh, really? yes i saw I, I was at a party once and i was like oh you're watching kentucky fried movie huh and they're like no we're watching fists of fury and i'm like <laughs> you got to be shitting me <laughs> it's it's beat for beat it's like it's on you know all the stuff that we were like that's really like where he's like and the slow motion stuff that was just really stupid that's exactly like it is in the movie and like the part with the guy going Mah, bah, 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 <laughs> it's it's all there it's fucking great Anyway, yeah, they call me Bruce. Uh,
0: come back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy
2: Dean. Share. Ah, yeah, I remember the, the title. A stage of the, play. Uh, Tex. Tex was uh, the big, uh, big. Um, it was based on a uh, maybe an S.E. Hinton book, or was it was based like on like Matt a Nogil- it? it was Matt. That was the first movie that like. That was Matt Dillon's breakout movie where they were like, this young actor is really talented. Yeah, I remember the,
0: the, the VHS cover of it because it had him wearing a cowboy hat.
2: It was one of those books that you always saw like in English class bookshelves. You know, I never got assigned to read text, but a bunch of classes must have had to read text at some point.
0: <laughs> uh, Heidi's Song? I don't remember that uh, one. This one here, Q, I think that's that one Quetzalcoatl, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's
2: yeah. with the, uh, the stop-motion animation of the 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 Aztec creature at the top of the, I think it's the Empire State Building or some building in New York City that he takes over and, and lays an egg in.
0: On a budget of $1. <laughs> 1. $1.2 it made a whole $255,000. <laughs> <Wah, wah. laughs> Uh, let's see. Still of the night. I don't know Bugs Bunny's third movie, A Thousand and One Rabbit Tales, which, if I'm not mistaken,
2: I think that one sucks. It was just a you know just a compilation of cartoons.
0: Right. Yeah, the compilation part's great. It's it, but it was one of those movies where the, the
2: links were horribly Horrible, yeah animated and bad yeah
0: yeah and it just it, it really Bell illustrates it, it when, best. yeah when you have that intercut with these. You know, beautifully illustrated originals from the 40s. Yes, it just really makes your, your cheesy movie look that much worse. And last for November, we've got The Last Unicorn, which I've heard of. I don't think I've
2: ever seen it. I've never seen it animated. That's all I know. So in the world of comics,
0: uh, Supergirl got a new uh, leash on life. She got Daring New Adventures of Supergirl number one, which I remember being a colossal disappointment. The The cover was beautiful, but the interiors were pretty rough. Ah, uh, here's one, Chris. Marvel and DC present number one. This is the new Teen Titans meet
2: the X-Men. Oh, another one I won in that. Yeah. Um, auction with autographs of all kind of Walt Simonson and I had everybody on that one what's weird is when that book came out I just took it in stride
0: I totally failed to appreciate what a big deal that was because I wasn't familiar with either one of them you know I had just discovered the Teen Titans and I had you know at that time my, my long standing prejudice with, uh, with the X-Men was still fully in place so I don't even really know why I picked it up other than, you know, it just. Beautiful it Walt intriguing. Simonson art. Yeah, Walt Simonson, and it was hyped to high heaven, you know. Yes. So I'm sure that was a lot of it, too. But yeah. Kind of a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, let's see what else we got. Marvel Movie Showcase started, um, and Marvel Movie Spotlight. These were each. One or two issues each, and uh, the Marvel Movie Showcase reprinted Star Wars, and Marvel Movie Spotlight reprinted Raiders. I think the Spotlight one was just one issue, maybe two, I forget. But anyway, they, they reprinted the, the adaptions of both uh, Star Wars and Raiders. Vision and the Scarlet Witch uh, miniseries, the first miniseries, started... Uh, number one and that wouldn't really make a big deal until the fourth issue with uh with magneto and his big reveal but that's uh that was in nine, that was in 83 and then lastly x-men annual number six which is kind of sort of a part two of with Dracula. Right? dracula yes really really good stuff really great story that brings us to December and uh kind of weird mixed bag here. We got 48 hours,
2: Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Is that that
0: was a, I was trying to remember if that was the
2: Eddie Murphy one. Is that any good? I don't know if I've ever yes, seen it. Yes, it's that. very good. Is it's it? it's more it's funny but it's not like the Axel um Axel Foley movies ones. Right. It's more it's more um Well, well, it is an Axel Foley movie, but the first one's a little more gritty. It's a little more of a hard boil. It's still got the Eddie Murphy humor. It's a little more of a cop movie. It's very good. If you like Eddie Murphy, especially. Uh, I can't remember... I think the director was Walter Hill or something. It was a very good director, too. Let's see. We got The Verdict. I don't
0: remember. Paul Newman? Yeah. Gandhi? Which uh, I guess it just got officially revealed that uh, that Gandhi is going to be the the bad guy in Iron Man three. He's gonna play uh, he's gonna play the Mandarin,
2: which I think. is Oh, cool. you mean um, you mean ben Kingsley. ben Kingsley? He's a great actor. Yeah, yeah, he's a great actor. He's one of the most flexible. He's like a Gary Oldman.
0: I can see him as the Mandarin.
2: Sure. Oh, I can, I can see, see him. him in, yeah. You could put him in anything. Yeah. And he could do it, I'm convinced. He's one of those weird he's like this little skinny guy, but he can play any kind of part. He can be commanding, he could be Gandhi, he could be evil. It's yeah, he's very good. Airplane two the sequel,
0: and the only thing I remember about that was that Shatner was in it and there's a horrible Star Trek gag in it. Yes. Yep. Painful. Yeah. The toy. Is that the one with Richard, Richard Pryor and um, and uh, Jackie Gleason? Jackie,
2: yes, yes.
0: That's actually not a bad flick.
2: It's where they hire him to be the kid's toy. The kids yep. like I want him. Now you know those stories that always go
0: around Hollywood about uh, you know so and so grew up to be a porn star. You know, like the little girl from from uh, well, it was either what Family Affair or um, Brady Bunch. One of the two grew up to be a Family porn affair. star. And all that. Yeah. But supposedly,
2: the Ivory Snow Girl,
0: the the kid from this movie, really did grow up to be a porn star. Oh,
2: good for him!
0: <laughs> At least that's what I heard. Uh let's see. But yeah, I, I, that that movie was uh, that was a trip. And it, but what's odd is, uh, unless my memory just is failing me, which is entirely possible, I don't remember there ever being. A moment in that movie where somebody stops to think, wait, 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 wait. You're 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 buying a black
2: man. Oh no, there were, there was subtext. It was addressed by Richard Pryor. Oh, okay. He made some ad libs and stuff in there. Oh sure, oh, okay. I just didn't remember that at all. But that it's
0: regardless. Yeah, it, that was a funny. Movie. That was it was. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty a good. pretty good movie. Yeah. Um. I I was that uh. Jackie Gleason's, I don't know if it was his girlfriend or wife or whoever she was, but she called him U.S., which were his initials, but she was Southern, so she pronounced it U.S. And I always got a kick out of that because he (laughs) was always saying, it's U.S., not U.S.
2: Well, wasn't the kid's name, weren't the family Bates, and they called the kid Master Master Bates Bates, too? Yeah, I do remember that.
0: Uh, Sophie's Choice was not my choice. I've never seen it. It's a good movie kind of a downer though i'd have to say it didn't look to me like it had explosions car crashes or tits in it so i just it
2: it does it, do, it does but they're all sort of world war 2 related so it's not the uh, same uh, you know the tits are you, you know there's tits but it's like naked people being marched off to the to the you know to the ovens in auschwitz it's a it's a <laughs> yeah. holocaust story where meryl streep gets to pick which one? You know, get one of her kids is going to live and one of them is going to die, and she has to choose.
0: Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound like a it doesn't sound like my kind of flick. It's not a feel good movie for sure. Well acted. Uh, let's see that championship season. I remember the title. I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, Savannah smiles, honky tonk man. Who the hell's in that? Is that a Clint Eastwood movie? It
2: sounds familiar. I think I think it is. I think it's where he's a where Clint Eastwood is a actual country singer. Oh, country singer. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I can't get the damn thing. I to think he up. sings that song. If I had a hammer, <laughs> it's pretty much like that,
0: though. Um, all right, here's one I know that you and I are going to have a big old disagreement about Tootsie.
2: I love that movie. I know you
0: do. I can't stand that movie. Terry
2: Gar, Bill Murray's in it. Fucking. What's his name? Um, Charles Durning. Oh, I love Charles Durning. It's just full of, full. You get to see Terry Garner in her underwear, man. Terry Garner in her underwear, and Tootsie.
0: Well, that's where Jessica Lange uh, began her her big comeback too. After mm-hmm. uh, after King Kong, mm-hmm. she uh, she finally got back on the road to stardom. Here's one I know that well. At least I think we'll agree on uh, the Dark Crystal.
2: I liked it it's not like I don't love that movie but I like it I almost appreciate it more than as as just an awesome exercise in practical pure practical special effects you know all the characters are puppets right you know and I remember that I remember the hype I remember I did a painting in art class of the poster of it and like I remember the Marvel super special was like baxter painted baxter paper and kind of painted art and and i remember being kind of disappointed with the movie but upon you know over the years now i like it a lot more than when i i think i was just expecting more when i was a kid and uh the story was a little thin it was your standard you know by that time the whole like star wars heroes journey and i didn't like the way the gelflings looked i thought they were too like chloe like elf looking things right, yeah but now i don't mind that that much and then you know and come on you got the skeksis are some of the most awesome things ever put on film you know i actually i wouldn't mind doing a show on that sometime to have the so i could watch it over again
0: I would imagine that that would probably be a, a fairly popular one because I know a lot of people have have really fond w-
2: memories of that movie. I thought it was getting remade. So, oh really? Yeah, that's what I heard. I've heard that it's been like a troubled production, but there's been a remake of it in the works. Hmm. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's the Henson. You know, it's the Muppets doing it. Then I would be interested. I've heard alternately a remake and sequel, so I don't
1: know.
2: (laughs) Let's see, Francis.
0: Which uh, the only thing I know about that is it has uh, again um, Jessica Lange in it. Man, I thought that was
2: that was a big way after
0: Tootsie, but it's it's in the same same release date. That's weird.
2: That's the bio of Francis Farmer, the actress who was mentally ill and had a crazy mother, too, and ended up, it was really tragic, she ended up in, like, you know, mental homes where they, you know, raped her and beat her and, you know, just gave her electroshock therapy and just generally, you know, until she died type of thing. But that was, I think she was nominated for an Oscar for that. That was, like, the critics went nuts over that. It was a good movie. It was, once again, not a good date movie or (laughs) feel-good type story. According to this, it didn't make shit. It says here
0: it only made one hundred and twenty-two thousand. Is that right? It
2: is. It got it got a lot of a good critical reception. I remember that. Yeah. Next
0: one is one I remember very well. Um, I have a feeling this movie uh, probably has not held up well though. Was uh, Trail of the Pink Panther, which in all honesty probably isn't a very good movie anyway. I know it was. I just remembered you like
2: critics. That was that was that the one. This is the post Peter Sellers, right? Where this, yeah, this. All is I the remember first is it had a Mardi Gras scene in it, and you were like, "I really like the music in this Mardi Gras scene." It was like dum 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 It know. is the one,
0: yeah. Yeah, that was the first post Peter Sellers, and it was the movie itself was comprised mostly of unused footage from the other movies, and they. You know, God bless them. They tried. I mean, they they really
2: tried to make a cohesive movie out of it, but it, it just didn't work. It's yeah. It's like, how can you? You know, I mean, the whole thing hinged on the genius of Peter Sellers. You know, right? And 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 having a real story and and characters interacting. They're, this one, remember, wasn't it kind of like interviews? Some parts were like it's interviews. Yeah, it was it's like I'm going to look for my father, and and you know, so he's like you know it was like basically an interview with David Niven and the actress who played his wife you know as as the Pink Panther in his retirement going ah oh, yes I remember Clouseau there was this one time where yeah it was painful
0: it, it, and it didn't The the problem with those is that those movies have a very loose continuity between them anyway so when all of a sudden you you do a movie like that that's a retrospective, all it really does is draw attention to the fact that you know these movies don't really work together. And that Peter an awesome
2: Sellers is dead and he's not coming back. Right? And how are you going to do it? You know, not even R- Roberto Nini? He's a he, he's a talented physical actor.
0: Oh, you're thinking of that was Son of the Pink Panther, which was no. But I'm
2: after. saying, and then and then they tried with. Uh, with peter with uh they actually did two movies with um with um what's his name um steve martin as yeah. as so yeah i've never so you know i mean that, that, mean that, that, that and that the, so they tried with the guy who was the guy in the in this one what was the actor in this one i can't remember his name
0: no see i i was thinking that too you're, you're thinking of the one with the the clark Kent looking dude yeah, that's the one after this. That was Cursed oh. Pink Panther, which was I'm not sure what year that came out. That one, believe
2: it or not, I actually Lots some moments. Yeah, well, that I liked
0: got that one because it, it, it attempted to do something different. And really, to me, the only parts of that movie that don't work are when you eventually because he basically what they do is they figure all right, well, Clouseau's missing. That's that's the big where we're left hanging at the end of the Trail of the Pink Panther is Clouseau's missing, and they don't know what's happened to him. So in the next movie, Curse of the Pink Panther, they... I want to say they do it by computer or something. They select the next greatest detective in the world. But something happens. I, I think it might be Dreyfus or somebody. I forget, but somebody... Either somebody sabotages the computer, or the computer malfunctions, or something. Anyway, it's, it selects the worst one in the world, and it's this like fumbling, bumbling Clark Kent-looking dude from America, and right. they select him to go and find
2: well, whoever his- was he. He was. He ended up being a like somebody, like that we would recognize his name you know I mean what I'm saying is they they found people who are talented to try to fill Peter Sellers shoes and they all had some measure of success to some point but what's the point it's not Peter you know it's like something Peter Sellers created it's almost of Peter Sellers you know what I mean right I just don't understand why they kept trying to to make it work you know when in in
0: I guess just because it was a successful franchise is the only thing I can think of. But yeah, I, I agree with. I you don't that. think
2: those ones were very successful though. And you know, I mean, once uh, anything post Peter Sellers, I don't think they ever made really any money or got yeah. any kind of.
0: No, I mean this this one made enough to spawn the next one, and then that last one, Curse. That was it for a long, it. long time <laughs> until Son Bonini,
2: with, with yeah.
0: Beni, and that movie sucks out loud. I mean, it's just that was I thought it was horrible. Just a horrible... I mean, they again, you know. I mean, they tried, but it's just the whole story the didn't point? work. He's yeah. just not funny. That was the biggest problem with that is that he he come he's like uh, he's like Jerry Lewis or. Um, jim carrey or something in that movie he he's trying so hard
2: well he's a rubber that... face he's more he's like a s- traditional si- silent actor kind of Pratt folly kind of guy so i so they were trying for something like that and and uh, if you ever see life is life is good mm-hmm. or is it life is wonderful wonderful he's in yeah. that life is wonderful he's great in that you know in yeah. that context
0: yeah, I mean, I've seen him in other things. I mean, you know, I'm not faulting the guy as an actor. It's just he's not Peter Sellers. He, well, it's no, not that's even the funny, thing is nobody,
2: know? nobody ever is. Not, you know, not him, not Steve Martin. Even I was, I, I was curious to see it, but you know, it just can't, it, it can't be. You know, the, the the Peter Sellers Clouseau was genius, mm. pure genius, just hilarious. You know, you didn't even have to see him do anything. You just had to anticipate what was coming next because you knew his character foibles and you'd start laughing before you know and and by that time they kept trying to put Cato in it and he was getting old and stuff it, it was
0: yeah they should know. have they should have pulled the plug you know after the last one because honestly and i say this as a a big fan of those movies you know they were already on a on a downward turn with the last one that, that right. Sellers was actually a part of, because Revenge right. isn't very good co- when you compare it to the others in this series. Right, right.
2: It has its moments, but,
0: yeah. Uh, let's see, wrapping this up, these last four on the list I've never heard of. We've got Best Friends, Six Weeks. Uh, that sounds... Familiar, but I don't Yeah, know. yeah I don't, let me see who's in this real quick. See, I
2: have some on my list. It looks like I'm going to have a few on my list. That oh, okay. Here, so I'll I'll clean those up when you're done with. Six weeks, it says here. Dudley Moore, Mary Tyler Moore. I have no idea what the
0: hell this movie is. Uh, this one I can't even pronounce. It says the English translation is clean slate. I don't know what that is. And, uh, kiss me goodbye. And that's, uh, that's it for my list. So I'm very curious what you've got that I missed here.
2: Okay. Uh, mine, I'm going to go in alphabetical order because that's how I wrote them down. Uh, in A, we got Atomic Cafe, documentary on the culture of the, you know, the 50s and the atomic in a very lighthearted vein. Um, A double double batch of two great westerns, one called Barbarossa and one called The Gray Fox. Barbarossa had Willie Nelson in it, and The Mm -hmm. Gray Fox had the awesome Richard Farnsworth, an old stuntman from the old, old, old days of westerns. Both movies, if you ever get a chance to see them, are understated, realistic westerns. They're character studies. One's with Willie Nelson, one with Farnsworth. They're both awesome, just awesome westerns. Some of the best westerns I've ever seen. Um, Basket Case by Frank Henenlotter, which I don't know if you've ever seen that, about the guy and his uh, his, uh, his att- attached twin that gets detached. No. Oh, it's great. It's it's hilarious. Um, horror movie. Low, low budget um, I think Lauder went on to make Frankenhooker great great filmmaker actually Skatsi, which is Philip Glass mov- music with all these beautiful insane either slow motion or sped up shots of cities and nature intercut with each other it was a big art housey sort of hit and I have one more that I think uh, uh, you'll be glad that made my that that actually like we didn't miss uh, Swamp Thing, Wes Craven's Swamp Thing.
0: See, I thought that came out in '82, and I was really surprised that it wasn't on this list or whatever. Um, especially they, they with it. the comics, yeah, they they definitely missed it. Yeah, that was a big deal.
2: Hmm. That was one that we didn't catch till HBO, but that's no, a, that's a really good Black River so,
0: Oh, really? Yep, I sure did my parents took me to it and i think if i'm not mistaken they hated it and uh but i, I was in pig shit heaven man i mean they made
1: a they
2: made a movie it was cheesy him. the suit was cheesy but it had you know it had that 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 louisiana swamp feel to it i love the little the little kid that is, he ends up being friends with the little he's like a little black nerd louisiana cajun yeah. kid oh what was so his- he's like I can't remember. Oh, oh that's going to make me crazy now. Yeah, I can't remember what his name was. But he was like he was like the nerdy kid with the thick glasses and stuff. But he was still like... He was a little toe-headed black kid, but he was also had a little shade of Cajun to him, too. So he was just a really interesting, fun character. And it was good to have a kid in the Swamp Thing movie, too. It was just a fun movie. And I think it covered the origin really well. I think it portrayed his origin... Pretty much like along with the comics, and you know, it's a lot better than the cheesy TV show, that's for sure. And this, the I've sequel. never seen it. Oh, it's cheesy! Oh, the I mean. sequel was
1: horrible. <laughs> yeah, that is a
0: horrible movie. You know, what's funny is uh, I just learned not long ago that Peter David wrote the novelization. Of, this, of the sequel I'd be very curious to read that because he's a really really good and talented writer and that movie is just a disgraceful piece of shit so it would be very interesting <laughs> to, to read that book and see if he was able to do anything with that you know the great but, thing yeah. about
2: Swamp Thing was when it was on HBO you could watch it in the middle of the afternoon and still see Adrian Barbeau's boobies cuz mm-hmm. it was only rated PG so they would play it during the day. And there was a pretty clear shot of her boobies as she went swimming in the swamp. Which you didn't really see Adrian Barbeau naked in movies, you know. You you would see that she was amply endowed but yeah. And it, and it turned and she was in plenty of R-rated movies you know that were you know john carpenter movies and stuff like that but it's in it's in the sort of kitty swamp thing movie that she gets naked it's awesome gotta give it to wes craven man stupid wikipedia it doesn't give me the name of that kid and it's making me nuts i wish uh, um the the comic adaptation was also pretty good Had a kind of weird painting. Jude, that was his name. Jude, Jude, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I might have to dig that movie out of the... Oh, and the guy that played
0: Holland, you know, before he uh, becomes the Swamp Thing, that guy, his name is Ray Weiss. I've never really seen him in anything else, but he was one of the bad guys. Uh, He's the guy that gets killed just before... um, The final battle between RoboCop and Clarence Boddicker in in the first RoboCop movie, he's the guy that dumps all that shit on RoboCop that pins him to the ground. Oh, and then as she lays there bleeding out, his uh, RoboCop's partner. Remember, she shoots that like bazooka thing and blows him the hell up. Mm -hmm. That's that's the guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he gets blown up in all in both of his movies. It sounds like
0: all the time. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, so how's that for a, for a year of...
0: Oh, we're not finished, though. we got one more thing to cover. we got to wrap up the year in... Oh, the uh, comics. comics. Yeah, just real quick. Uh, let's see. we got a new and lame Captain Marvel in the pages of uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 16. This was the, the black female version of Captain Marvel. And, I mean, she's not really a lame character. It's just uh, not really deserving of the name Captain Marvel, in my opinion. She just... Just wasn't all that cool, honestly, and I think the fans agreed because they quickly changed her name and uh, she's kind of disappeared into superhero obscurity. The Gladiator trashes the Fantastic Four in part one of Man and Superman, which is my favorite uh, Fantastic Four story ever because it's basically Superboy comes to Earth and kicks their asses. Uh, Grew the Wanderer number one,
2: which was Sergio Aragonés. Yeah.
0: Uh, here's one you mentioned earlier the mutant uh, New Mutants graphic novel kicked off and it would spawn that series and everything and lastly uh, everybody turned out to see the big guy get Amnesty in Incredible Hulk number 278 that pretty much co-stars again it's kind of like uh, Contest of Champions pretty much everybody in the Marvel U turns out for that and that was kind of how things wrapped up um, in December 82 and you know Looking over this list of, of comics for just this year, I am absolutely amazed by how many of these comics that I have personally podcasted
2: about just in the few years that. Well, we've because done. these are the ones that were hooking us in, man. This right. is a, this is when we were getting hooked in. So that's why the, that's why we're doing thirty years instead of like twenty years or right. ten, you know, because this was this was the time period where it was just like. Because I used to read comics, I'd see a comic and be like, oh, I like to read comics. But this was when, like I said, you and I were annoying. It was just like, if we met anybody new, we'd be like, do you like comics? Yeah. Do you have any comics? Right. Yeah, I got a box of them somewhere. Yeah, you think I could take a look at those? Yeah. <laughs> you, wanna, you ever want to get rid of any of those? Yep. And it was sort of like that for years. <laughs> You're right
0: you're absolutely right. I I just I consider this, you know, truly one of the best times to, to have been a comic book reader. I mean, just exciting exciting things. You know, this was before the the world of comics, you know, it was it was beginning to mature. It was it was a little more mature than things that had come before. It was a little more, I don't know, I think it was just a little more interesting. Um, but it hadn't quite yet you know, it hadn't yet turned dark the way it would. You know, we hadn't yet gotten, you know, Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and things like that. So it was, it was a little more mature, but it wasn't yet, you know, dark and and sinister right, and all that. Right. You know, the Dark Age of comics hadn't hadn't fully happened. <laughs> the Dark
2: Ages had not come.
0: Yeah. Yet. Well, yeah, I mean, I, that's really the way I look at it. I I don't know what the official designation of the post. You know, the post-Miller and post-Alan Moore era, you know, I don't know what they judge that. I don't know if it's considered the modern age or whatever, but I, you know, I remember a while back the, the idea was pitched and I don't know, it was like in comics, uh, what is that book? The uh, Comic Buyer's Guide or one of those had pitched the idea of, of dubbing it The Dark Age. You know, because you have like the the golden age, you know, the silver age, bronze age, and they they had proposed the idea of the dark age. I think that's a perfect name for it, because it was it was when comics went dark. You mm-hmm. know, and for the longest time, they were you know every character was being resurrected as this as this dark and brooding thing. I mean, they even brought back like friggin' Shade, the Changing Man, and made him this dark, brooding. And I'm like, what the hell, you know. So I, you know, I, I directly link that sort of stuff to where comics are today, you know, for for good or bad, you know, because not all of it was bad, but not all of it was good either. I mean, but this this was a really interesting time, you know, in the in the early 80s, because um, you, you could definitely feel with the material that was going on just in this one year, you could feel comics were growing up, they were changing as an art form. But they hadn't yet hit that that period, you know, in the in the mid to late '80s, where, where they were completely changed. And I like that. I, I it was it's a great time to have discovered comics because it was a nice you know easing you into the you know the stuff that would come later.
2: And it was pretty much a time where you could go to the movies every weekend and only have <laughs> two theaters and find something that you wanted to see. Yeah, something decent to watch.
0: Absolutely. Well, I got a kick out of this show. I think this was a lot of fun. Uh, write in, let us know what you thought about this one, or you know, post on Facebook, or you know, get on the forum. I haven't seen a whole lot of activity on our forum lately. So it's get on summer, the forum. man. Everybody's on vacation. Vacation of Get on the goddamn forum. Let me know what's going on. <laughs> you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O T-R-U-E F-R-E-A-K-S
2: Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com
0: Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com
2: Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up.
0: We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information,
2: visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of... TWO TRUE FREAKS!
1: Just walk away, and there will be an end to the horror.